Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of December 2021, and is once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, essentially, what this entails, if you're not familiar with the format, is uh, basically we just do a calendar review of all the upcoming DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K releases. That would be physical media releases and whatnot. Uh, and enjoying me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? Oh, it's going great. Uh, you know, just had a great holiday season. I uh, got a few movies and uh, ready to buy some more already. So I'm, I'm ready to, you know, dive in and see what else I'm going to spend my money on. Yeah, I know. It's kind of a little bit of a gross feeling, like coming coming out of the holidays and immediately hopping on Blu-ray.com to scout out the next purchases when you haven't <laughs> even really fully digested the ones you just got as gifts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's that's the way the way of the collector. You never you're never satisfied. Oh, that that's a book waiting to be published if it hasn't already. The way of the collector, <laughs> the pathology of the collector. <laughs> we could write a book. Oh yeah, no, that that's a fun pet project for another day. But um, yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. I I of course hopped on Blu-ray.com not too long after uh, t- taking stock of my my take uh, throughout the holidays, and uh, yeah, I was like, oh, this looks kind of cool. So I don't think either of us has done a whole lot of research uh, in regards to what exactly dropped uh, in terms of physical media this December 2021. Um, but it should be a fun review. Um, I do know that December is generally a pretty big month, especially because of the holiday season and trying to capitalize on those holiday purchases and whatnot. So I'm sure there's a lot to talk about. But uh, folks at home, uh, if you'd like to follow along with the home version of Catching Up on Blu-ray, you can do so by navigating to the lovely website uh, blu-ray.com and just uh, head to the release dates page and uh, navigate to the December 2021 page. Um, and also, if you're not familiar with how this works, um, generally physical media releases occur on Tuesdays of each calendar week. Uh, so we'll be sure to call out the dates as we come across them. But um, it looks like our first proper release date uh, in December 2021 occurred on December 7th. And uh, right out the gate, uh, we have one that I'm I'm kind of curious what your take on this one's going to be, Brad, because uh, not too long ago on our uh, Tales from the Shelf uh, show that we do every month, um, Brad and I had talked about uh, alternate, ta- alternate takes or alternate cuts of films, and uh, it was through that conversation that I learned uh, Brad's not so keen on that, like, like <laughs> in terms of like managing his wares, managing his collection, whatnot. Uh, having multiple cuts of films on his shelf is just not something that sits all that well with him. But uh, Brad, the the release that I've been alluding to here is, of course, uh, Scream Factory's 4K uh, disc of uh, Krampus uh, from 2015. Yes, or uh, Krampus or Krampus, if you want to uh, really get fancy with the uh, pronunciations there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I like Krampus. I have only seen it one time. I do own the regular standard Blu-ray. And, uh, this of course is the 4k release of the naughty cut, which, um, I did not know there was a naughty cut or there was any demand or rumor of it until it was announced by Scream Factory. But, you know, I'm always down to get naughty and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always down for more, titles in this vein 
on 4K. Uh, so I, I was debating picking this up. Um, of course, the Krampus season has come and gone, so I probably won't be picking it up until next year potentially. Um, but yeah, I, I would be curious to watch a like an R-rated version of Krampus. I haven't done any research to find out how different it is from the uh, original, which uh, I wouldn't even been able to tell you if it was R or PG-13 to begin with. But uh, yeah, I I did like the film the one time I saw it in theaters. Yeah, uh, we actually reviewed uh, Krampus uh, on Catching Up on Cinema a couple years back. Um, this was this was a, a surprise uh, for for both of us. I think both Kyle and I. Um, I quite enjoyed it as well. Uh, it it strikes a really fascinating tone. Uh, it has a little bit of that like gremlins kind of vibe to it where it it toes that line really well between like humor and horror um and i was really impressed with the the audio visual design of it some of the creature designs and and the puppetry the animatronics on display were pretty incredible and the the grand reveal of the titular krampus uh did not disappoint um and i remember i was i personally uh, was very interested to check this film out when we reviewed it for the show because I think Kyle had picked it, um, but then I had got wise to the fact that uh, Michael Doherty uh, had directed it, who did Trick or Treat previously, which I have not seen. But at the time uh, we had reviewed it, uh, Krampus, that is, um, he was in line to be directing uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, so in knowing that, I was like, ooh, I want to scope out this guy's filmography. And after having watched Krampus, I was like, oh, I went into Godzilla King of the Monsters pretty enthused about it. And to be honest, I'm in the camp that actually enjoyed that that Godzilla film. Uh, so this guy's on on the, the not-so-naughty list, if you ask me. But um, over the course of that conversation I had with Brad on uh, Tales from the Shelf... Uh, it basically became clear that I'm a I'm a big fan of alternate cuts of films. It's actually a huge selling point for me. For whatever reason, I I just gobble those up. Like as a special feature, that's something I go for uh, in terms of like collecting films and whatnot. Uh, so I've had my eye on this release pretty much as soon as it was announced. Um, but just combination of timing and the price tag uh, has led to me not picking it up for now. Um, however, I I will be taking it upon myself to. Uh, to scope out uh, what what details in this particular cut of the film differ uh, from the theatrical release, because I do remember that was a PG-13. It's not a very gory or violent film. Uh, so I'm curious what changes will be made to it. Um, and I, I will watch this movie eventually. I will watch the naughty cut of Krampus eventually, because I did like it quite a bit, and I am curious to see what changes are made to it. Yeah, lots of new bonus features on it as well. So... Even if you're not into naughty cuts, uh, it might be worth picking up just for that alone. It looks like there's a bunch of new interviews and stuff. Um, so yeah, from what I've heard, it's pretty nice, uh, pretty nice release. And I actually do like the uh, the artwork. You know, on another Tales from the Shelf that we did, I was a little maybe critical of uh, some Scream Factory artwork, but actually, I think the artwork on this is uh, not too shabby. I kind of, I kind of dig it. Yeah, this is one of those uh, busy covers that they tend to do that actually really does work for me. Mm -hmm. um, combination of the use of color and in particular the use of black, actually, yeah. on, around the border of the frame. Uh, and also it goes very well with the, the 4K case as well. 
um it's a it's a nice package like all all around and <laughs> to follow the naughty cut uh joke to uh completion here it's like watch the the naughty cut ends up just being like I don't know, Adam Scott's dong on screen for like one frame or something. <laughs> That's the one difference in the cut or something. It's like, hang yeah. on, was that a dude's dick? It's like, yeah, that's the one change we made to the cut. <laughs> and they really went full naughty, I guess. But uh, I, I, just comparing the uh, the run times, looks like this version is four minutes longer. So, you know, not, it, I mean, there's there's enough of a difference there depending on like, are we talking like, are did they add in are we talking gore shots like are these shots that are four minutes of like shots that are gonna like amp up this gore or are we talking was there just like one scene that had a couple f-bombs in here that they cut who knows you know it could go either way yeah my my gut tells me it's probably more more akin to like a a live free or die hard r-rated edition than like a complete overhaul because four four minutes actually is not insubstantial like that Mm -hmm. that is a decent amount of extra content um but have you ever seen the the comparison of of the theatrical live free or die hard versus like the blu-ray version no i never i never i've only seen the original well i guess i don't know i I've only watched it at home, so I guess I don't know what version I watched, to be totally honest. Yeah, actually, it's the differences are subtle to the point that it's like, yeah, I, I could see maybe someone not even really being wise to the fact that there are multiple cuts of that film. But the R-rated version just adds a lot of digital squibs, um, so just like digital blood splatter, um, a lot of ADR to F-bombs. Um, and if memory serves, I think when uh, Bruce Willis is uh, throwing hands with Maggie Q... I seem to remember like some like additional violence there that's like uncomfortable, honestly. <laughs> like, like, like it's not like truly brutal shit. It's just like the fight's a little bit longer, and the the types of things he's doing to her. It's just like, even in movie land, like that just doesn't look right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's mostly just ADR f bombs and some digital blood, but. I'm curious what this naughty cut ends up being, um, but as we both disclosed, we're, we are not owners of it just yet. Maybe, maybe someday down the line. Yeah, I'm sure I'll pick it up eventually, but uh, in no rush. Yeah, same here. Um, but beside that, we have another 4K disc, and that would be uh, Robert Zemeckis's Who Framed Roger Rabbit uh, from 1988. And uh, Brad, I, I just skimmed. Uh, a little bit like earlier this month like the the details about this release am i wrong in saying that like the the technical specs of the disc aren't exactly spectacular you know i am only looking at it now um but i'm seeing yeah some of the reviews are not being all that kind i'll say i normally you know full disclosure most months i'm the guy who is like you know reading these reviews ahead of time this month i'm off my game so we're doing everything on the fly but yeah, it looks like the uh, official Blu-ray.com review only gave this a four out of five for the 4K quality, and the Blu-ray only got a 3.5 out of five. That's included, so even worse. Which I guess wow. maybe is uh, to be expected, but yeah, no, I mean it's to be expected. But this is one of those movies that's like you know you you, you should treat Who Framed Roger Rabbit quite well. Um, it's it's kind of a beloved film in a lot of circles. Um, I own it on Blu-ray, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of a shocker that it's not like a, a technical wonder disc, being as the film itself is kind of a technical wonder in a lot of ways. But um, Brad, are you a fan of this film? 
Yeah, I do like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit quite a bit. Been a long time since I've seen it, though. And I actually, I don't think I own it on Blu-ray. It's been that long. So uh, this is one that, you know, there are a handful of films that I do like quite a bit, but just never pulled the trigger on Blu-ray, and I'm ready. To, I'll be jumping in on 4K. Yeah, let me know how it turns out, because, you know, 4 out of 5 isn't bad by any means. It's just mm-hmm. like when you put it side by side with like a 5 out of 5, more than likely there is going to be a noticeable difference. But, um, yeah, I, I'm i not in a position to, to need to to buy a 4k upgrade of this particular film uh in fact i have i like watched it barely a year ago so it's not something i'm in a hurry to get to but i like for the record i actually do quite like this film and have seen it countless times but uh, another film that i've seen countless times another seven well in this case 100 percent animated film as opposed to semi-animated film uh that is listed right beside it is a the blu-ray release of beavis and butthead do america from 1996 uh now if memory serves my uncle don uh took me and my brother and maybe my cousin to see this uh probably without the permission of our parents at the time (laughs) (laughs) Um, i think i was what nine when this came out and i did get to see this in the fucking theater and i i love this film i absolutely love this film like mike judge like in a certain phase of his career was was an incredible talent like he he just had an eye for i don't know the american public like just ordinary american people and like kind of making caricatures of them and this film serves as like a very strong example of some of his some of his best work if you ask me like i i really love this movie and even on like a purely like technical level with the animation it's kind of shocking when you think that like a beavis and butthead movie cuz if you look at the construction of that show Good God, it is archaic, it is sloppy, they reuse so many frames, it is not a technical wonder by any means. But the film, like, when they have their acid trip sequence, when they eat the funky cactus in the desert, holy fucking shit! Like, that is some top-notch animation, man. <laughs> like, that is some creative, well-executed shit. Um, and the voice cast is incredible. Robert Stack, he just swings for the fucking fences. They they got Robert Stack, the voice, the man, the myth, the legend. They got Robert Stack to be the FBI uh, like agent in here. That he's absolutely incredible. And Greg Kinnear as his sidekick is. Uh, I always laugh. His I think his last name is Bork, and for some reason that's just a very laughable name to me. But on top of that, you have like Bruce Willis and Demi Moore when they were an item uh, in the film, like playing opposite each other. But yeah, I love this movie. I've actually been really excited for this Blu-ray release, such that I have yet to purchase it. (laughs) But I am looking forward to adding it to my collection so I can force my girlfriend to watch it and just like have her not get any of it. You had to have been there. Shut up. (laughs) It's like, you don't know comedy. (laughs) But Brad, do you have any connection to Beavis and Butthead or or Beavis and Butthead Do America? Well, I've never seen Beavis and Butthead Do America, um, unfortunately. But uh, I don't know. I I, I do like Beavis and Butthead, and it was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know their popularity of the show, but I feel like I was like maybe on the tail end of when they were like, because I'm sure the show, I don't know when it, went off air for a period i know they recently brought it back but i think the show was like kind of in the tail end of popularity when i was at the right age so it's like i knew about beavis and butthead and i would 
occasionally catch like uh, repeat airings. Like I think it was maybe when I was watching it, it might have been on Comedy Central or something. Um, and so there, I I had would occasionally watch it. You know, you go over to your friend's place and you'd stay up late, and Beavis and Butthead would be one of the shows in rotation that would get put on. Um, but never totally got like really into it. But I do really like Mike Judge. And I would uh, like to watch uh, this film at some point because uh, I'm sure I would like it. Yeah, I I would recommend it if you like Mike Judge because like he he doesn't always knock it out of the park. Like um, I'm looking at you, extract. Yeah. That movie. That movie, man. Like I don't know what the fuck happened there, but like I was I was pretty significantly hyped for that film because of the Mike Judge factor. The cast not really a huge deal to me like i think it was what jason bateman was the lead in there and like Mm -hmm. mila kunis like honestly neither of them is a huge selling point to me personally but um i was really hyped just because it's mike judge coming back to live action like post idiocracy and post office space it's like this man is capable of good things um but yeah that movie was lousy if you ask me um but yeah beavis and butthead the tv show and the film i i adore both of them and king of the hill if you ask me it's like that that's your that's your bible like <laughs> it's like it's like like if you need a guide on how to live a good life watch watch king of the hill that's that's one of the finest pieces of television i have ever seen personally um i good god i hope they do not bring that shit back like i know there were rumblings that they were going to try a revival or something it was like you do know that britney murphy's dead right like yeah. one of the most important vo- members of the voice cast, like like maybe that's a sign. Just just don't do it. But um, yeah, I I'm really excited to to rewatch this film. It's been a minute since I've seen it, but I've seen it many many times, and it's very it's immensely quotable for me personally. Uh, probably you can probably chalk that up to me having seen it when I was like nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Beavis and Butthead, it definitely is kind of a you had to be there at the right time, at the right age sort of experience. Um, but, you know, they have left uh, their mark on pop culture in some way. I just don't know if they uh, those characters have quite the, the legacy amongst uh, people who haven't seen the show as of today. Yeah, I, I don't know if they really have a place in uh, 2021 or 2022. Um, they are very much a product of their time um but a ver- they're a perfect encapsulation of their time though mm-hmm. like they're perfectly representative of of their age group and and of that time but um i guess you could you could almost like attribute like some of the i don't know uh watching shitty stuff and commenting on it <laughs> stuff to like be combination of beavis and butthead and mystery science theater 3000 it's like you can thank both of those groups for giving us that particular way of enjoying media enjoying shitty media mind you um but beside that uh on the release calendar again on december 7th we have uh the karate kid collection on 4k uh so this would be the entire no not the entire film series i don't believe uh 1984 to 1989 that that means that the next karate kid is not included in here no sale. How do you how do you feel about that, bro? No that's, sale. That's, yeah. <laughs> no Hillary Swank. No no sale. <laughs> I'll be on. Okay, I'll be. I'm gonna just. This is you know. I'm just gonna be honest here. First of all, I didn't even know that that movie existed until I was at work and like my boss somehow. I don't know how we started talking about it, but he was like, "Oh yeah, it's like the next Karate Kid," and I'm like, 
wait, like, what do you mean? Like this, the sequel to Karate Kid? And he's like, no, no, the one with Hillary Swank. And I'm like, you're joking, right? That's, that's not a thing. And he's like, no, look it up, look it up. And, uh, also I'll say, I am not a Karate Kid fan. Not because I don't like the movies. I've never seen the movies. Just, uh, it's a bit of a blind spot. And, uh, you know, the more people keep pushing Cobra Kai on me, the less like I am to ever dig into that hole. Let me tell you that much. Good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, I think you and I both have a little bit of contrarian streak in us where it's like the more times you tell me to watch it, the less <laughs> chance I have of actually doing that. So yeah. you may as well just cut it out. But um, yeah, I... I all the excessive uh, Cobra Kai love over the past couple of years has kind of grated on my nerves a bit because I actually am a, fr- a fan of this film franchise. But the more I hear about that YouTube show, or I don't even know what service it's listed on these days, but oh, like, it's the big more time. It's Netflix now. Oh, they moved up in the world. Yeah, huh? they did. <laughs> <laughs> moved up to the big time. Uh, yeah, the more I hear about it, it's like the the less interested I become. And I I want to say that I'm probably safe. In, in feeling that way, honestly, because I, I've seen a trailer or two. I know that it's not just Johnny and it's not it's not just Daniel son. It's like, no, there, there's quite a, a larger cast at work and most of them are in their teens. And I'm sorry, I just cannot be bothered to care about teenagers and their fucking bullshit. So it's like if it was truly a story about just those people or something, maybe I'd have a better chance of making the jump. Uh, to to check it out but as it stands no i'm fine with just these movies um one and a half of which are good honestly like the first one's awesome it's it's spectacular second one's pretty good uh it i don't if you ask me it 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 gets kind of clunky from time to time Um, but Mm -hmm. for the most part it's okay uh third one is actually like a guilty pleasure film It, it is not a good film by any means but it makes you laugh Uh, like like really it's a lot of fun if you come at it with the right mindset um and it's strange that this is just the trilogy uh because there not only is the next next karate kid out 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 there um there's also the jaden smith film as well so there's there's multiple chapters uh missing from this box uh but i guess if you just want the daniel larusso story um this will this will be it for you but um I already own these films on Blu-ray. Uh, this does actually look like an appealing, like the packaging of it. It looks like a handsome package, honestly. And I would watch these films again, but I'm I'm fine with the shitty box that I already have. Uh, I don't need an upgrade for this one. And just uh, full disclosure for anybody out there, you can buy just the first Karate Kid on 4K. That one is available on its own. It did come out a couple of years ago. So that you have that option if you don't want the sequels on 4K. I'd imagine there's a lot of takers for that because, like I said, yeah. the sequels to these film to that film are are not especially well regarded. But I I do stand by the first one though. I do think it's a pretty awesome movie all around. Like if you curiously enough, it's like it's a some it's somewhat a film based around martial arts, and the martial arts are far and away the weakest part of the whole thing. <laughs> but you know, it's 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 well written, well performed drama. And that's sometimes that's all you need. It's it's a it's a nice little coming of age slash sports drama, uh, banging soundtrack too. On top of that, uh, and beside that, we have yet another fucking 4K disc, and this time it is of uh, another film that we have reviewed for catching up on cinema. That would be a 
Jean Wu and Jean-Claude Van Damme in Art Target, or is it Hard Target? Um, this is, of course, uh, Jean Wu's first uh, foray into American cinema. And uh, I had uh, scouted this one when it was initially announced. Like I, I had exactly one question when this was initially announced, and that was, uh, is the assembly cut uh, going to be on the disc? And like day one, like the day this was announced, I had it revealed to me that no, it is not on the disc. Um, as far as I understand, uh, the 4K presentation of it, um, I don't think there's a review for it just yet. Am I wrong on that, Brad? Um, yeah, I don't see a review on here. And hey, I don't know if this has something to do with it, but have you heard about the uh, technical issue with this uh, release? No, do tell, Brad. Uh, there w- there is a replacement program. Um, it is an audio issue on the disc. And uh, basically, I think it's something like in certain scenes, like the audio channels are flipped or something of that nature. So there is a, uh, a fault with the disc, and uh, Kino has issued a replacement program. Now, I do believe that uh, you don't need to do really much of anything. I think it's... They said if you order directly from them, they just automatically will ship out another disc or replacement disc for you. Um, and I think if you bought it from another retailer, you might have to fill out a form or something. But uh, Kino, I got to say, like, they just keep, in my opinion, they keep one-upping Criterion. I mean, not having to send back in your disc. I mean, not or not even have, not having to film yourself destroying your disc of Hard Target. I tell you, that's some good customer service right there. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I mean there there is something to be said for that. Or it's like it's like I tell my my girlfriend when I'm driving, when I'm driving, mind you. It's like if you're gonna do something stupid, at least do it fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like if you're going to fuck up a printing of a of a disc, at least make it easy for everybody so you can just move on to the next thing, as opposed to like making a big kerfuffle about it, a big loud public stink about it. Um, so yeah, they, they, they have the right idea when it comes to managing these kind of snafus, but, um, yeah, this is a film I already have on Blu-ray, uh, again, yet again, uh, I don't believe I'm going to be upgrading to 4k, especially, uh, if they have a sound issue like that sound issues, Brad, sometimes they are far worse than video issues. If you ask me, Oh, that's like, true. they drive yeah. me nuts. Um, I mean, to be fair, I think, I don't know at what point, but, uh, eventually I think you will be able to order this and it will come with the fixed disc um i think that's the plan so you know don't let that steer you away from this uh indefinitely but if you have bought it recently or like I, that's the one thing with these replacement programs is like i mean i'm sure you can just email them and ask but it it would be nice to know like if you buy it from here on out going forward you will get the right disc or like if you bought it now you'd probably be like okay i might have to like check the disc or i'd probably just email and ask just to make sure um yeah, whether i need it, a replacement it would be nice if they had like a different serial number or something that you could yeah. reference like there they just be. they I, just yeah. disclose if you have the serial number or something like don't bother it's bad yeah um i don't know exactly how things like this work with discs but yeah at least they make it easy for you but like i said the assembly cut the uh long like long buried assembly cut of this film uh, it's semi-legendary at this point, very similar to the the unrated cut of uh, Cobra. Um, I don't think we'll ever see either of these cuts like on officially on the shelf at any time. 
Like, I think they're just going to be forever legends. But um, I was hoping this was going to be the occasion we got that. But no, looks like it's just not meant to be. And, like, I will disclose that apparently uh, that particular cut of the film is not uh, the director's preferred version. There, this this disc actually does list two cuts, one of which is a director's cut, uh, which I guess is further fuel to the fire that uh, I don't think we'll ever see that assembly cut, see the light of day. Um, but moving on, uh, we have a Warner Archive collection release of uh, Angels with Dirty Faces, which uh, looks like a James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart film. Holy shit, that's uh, quite, the, quite the cast of tough-looking dudes. Um, and beside that, uh, we have a Mill Creek Entertainment Steelbook release of yet another Jean-Claude Van Damme film. Uh, that would be Street Fighter. Uh, from 1994 this is of course not the first time this film has been released on blu-ray um basically the reason why you'd buy this release is i think maybe it has some additional features but it's mostly just the box art and the fact that it's in a steelbook if you're into that sort of thing which of course uh neither brad nor i are uh so i don't believe either of us will be picking this up (laughs) this is a hard pass for me for many reasons let alone the steelbook yeah, it's it's like it I do own this movie, but it, it came from like a bargain bin and it's like it's a serviceable Blu-ray. I don't need a super duper special edition of a, you know, mostly okay movie. I do enjoy this film. I really enjoyed talking about this film with some people on the internet, uh the uh Grief Burrito boys. Um but yeah, uh I don't I don't think I need to get another edition of this film. But uh I'm gonna kick it over to you, Brad. Uh what what jumps out at you next? Uh, well, you know, we've got Rick and Morty season five, which I don't care about. Um, we've got the long goodbye, which I've never seen, but I know a lot of people are big fans of. And is this a, uh, Kino release? I believe it's a new, uh, restoration of this. It is only a Blu-ray, but it is a 4k restoration. Um, so I don't know. Are you a fan of the long goodbye at all? Or I know it by reputation, but, uh, unfortunately that's the extent of it. Yeah. Uh, we've got an Arrow release, Mill of the Stone Women, which I don't know anything about, but I'm digging that cover, and I like Arrow. And any any time an Arrow release comes out, I'm mildly intrigued. I have to say. Yeah, I I dig the cover as well. Uh, something about the positioning of the figures. Um, that fellow with the bug eyes kind of works for me. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the use of color and the positioning of the figures. It, it's a striking package. Even the font is is appropriate, I guess is the right word, where it has kind of a, I don't know, a kitschy vibe to it. Like, it doesn't seem, like, overly, like, horrific. It just seems kind of fun because, yeah. you know, it's like 1960s horror. But, yeah, Arrow, Arrow releases are always noteworthy for one reason or another. Um, honestly, I do not own very many of their films. I think, I think literally the only two discs of theirs I have are uh, Robocop, which... Uh, I think they just announced they're putting out a 4K of. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you got Takashi Miike. Time. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we need, come on, you're gonna pick that up on 4K. Let's yeah, let's be I, real. Brett, Brad, you know I am. I mean, it's it's fucking RoboCop. It's it's fucking RoboCop. Like, <laughs> it's now, like honestly. I just feel so vindicated because it's like that Arrow 4K came out. I'm over here with my 
bare bones RoboCop trilogy Blu-ray. Looks like shit. Everybody's over here. Oh, our Arrow 4K. It looks so good. We've got all these bonus features. Everybody, they're having a party. Meanwhile, I'm over here with my piece of shit disc. And then all of a sudden, just like a couple of years later, Arrow announces it on 4K. And look who's laughing now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see it, folks. But Brad has his, his pants hitched up to his nipples. <laughs> and he's just, look who's on top now. <laughs> yep yep we all been there we this happens if you collect films for long enough eventually you you get you get fucked by that double dip and yep it's my turn this time Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we'll see what comes around the corner next but yeah this time it's my turn but uh yeah the only other arrow disc i think i have is the uh takashi miike dead or alive trilogy which is also a pretty well put together package um but yeah, uh, in general, I don't pick up too many of their releases. Um, beside that, we have uh, Creepshow Season 2. Uh, that would be the Shudder uh, original series. Have you checked um, this Kyle... out at all? No, but uh, Kyle was trying to get me to watch it a while back. He said I, in particular, would like it. Like, like he liked it, but he was like, I think you would like this more than me. And to date, I have yet to check it out. I gotta say, I, I'm out on this show, I gotta be honest. I, I don't... It's... I mean, it's a Shutter original, so I guess this is to be expected. Very low budget, um, it, like almost like some of the episodes are kind of like grossly low budget. Like, what the hell am I watching here? Um, I don't know. I just, I, I honestly feel like there's only been like one really good segment, and it was in the first episode. I have to say, the best segment was in the very first episode. I think it's all been downhill from there. <laughs> Wow, that that's a big ouch, man. Yeah, I don't like, know. Creep, Creep show that that brand carries some weight. Like that that actually does carry some weight in horror circles. But that's that's unfortunate, man. I I just feel like there's like a there like a lot of the uh, segments aren't very inspired. Like they're really just coasting on the Creep Show, uh, you know, name and vibe and the you know the comicy sort of thing. Um, I feel like there's not actually that many great creative ideas and segments in there at least that i've seen um and uh yeah i mean the house of the head that was the episode the segment in the first episode house of the head was amazing and i was like this is gonna be great and then from there on it was just like trash after trash (laughs) yeah i watched a a video review of an episode I i think it was um something bob ross fights the evil dead basically yeah i I mean i didn't know how to feel about that i was like obviously it was it was a video review so they couldn't show everything but like the few clips i saw i was like i don't know man like i'm not getting good vibes from that plus it's like you know bob ross is dead and Mm -hmm. like his estate has been horribly exploited and like that's like completely against the whole concept of bob ross it's like i i feel icky just watching this honestly yeah and plus i gotta say like I, that that episode did stand out. Like, I think uh, I did. I know uh, Ted Raimi was in it. it. I don't know if Greg Nicotero directed it or. If, uh, but anyway, like that one at least had a little bit of cred there. But just like I don't know, like the fact that one of their best episodes from the season is just like an Evil Dead ripoff. Like yeah. literally, like w- there's nothing th- that cool about. It. And like the Bob Ross thing. Listen, I'm over Bob Ross. Bob Ross was cool. When people weren't like 
going nuts. Like everybody, all of a sudden, everybody loves Bob Ross. I, I, I get it. Okay, he's a great. He's a nice. He was a nice guy. But this over Bob Rossification of everything. All of a sudden, everyone. Oh, I've always been a Bob Ross fan. I I didn't hear anybody talking about Bob Ross twelve years ago. Now all of a sudden, everybody's a fan. Get real. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you, Brad. It's like, for the most part, I think people knew his silhouette. They knew his tone of voice. Very few people in my age range, up until like he became a meme, actually knew the guy's name. Honestly, they knew. Like, if you showed a picture of him, they're like, oh, that's the guy with the, like, the soft voice that paints. It's like, yeah, we all saw him on television. But, yeah, apparently, like, somebody made, like, a Twitch channel or something that's just, like, a 24-7 stream of his old of old footage of him. And the kids found it, and he basically became a surrogate father or, like, an ASMR device for half of the internet. So Bob Ross is here to stay. He it's he's It's not for us, Brad. Just remember, it's not for us. It's for the kids. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's for the but memes. It's for the memes. Like he—he is—he's no longer a human being. He has passed on, and he has become a meme. They, that's the thing. They don't like Bob. It's like they like him ironically. They don't like him for what he, like, actually was. They like him because all of a sudden it's the cool thing to like Bob Ross. You're get out of here. It's gross. <laughs> so gross to me. <laughs> Bob Ross, he's probably rolling in his grave. Oh, he absolutely is, as far as I know, because of all the, like, figurines and, like, refrigerator magnets that are being produced bearing his visage. Like, again, that's, like, completely contrary to to the nature of the man. Like, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he didn't want that. There was um, a Netflix documentary series or movie about him, and they were like, oh, my, what, what a wet noodle. The, the trailer for that, this documentary is so shocking that we can't show you anything from it in the trailer. Like, get real. I'm done. <laughs> Skip creep show. Watch the first episode. That's all you need. Okay, you heard it here, folks. Creep show on the Shutter Network. The sh- the series that is, not the film. Uh, Skip. I like it. the movie. Yeah. The, oh, the movie's tremendous, and the second one at least has the raft. Uh, N- yeah. That's... Nothing is. I would say, that, yeah, the House of the Head segment is it's it's at the level of like the raft segment nothing else is even close nothing is even close to the raft you heard it here folks <laughs> um beside i was trying to have a relaxing conversation here and you now you got me all fired up all right Jeez. <laughs> i'm gonna have to write into your show i'm gonna have to write into to brad's cinema speak podcast like every week just to trigger him about pop ross it's <laughs> <laughs> just set him off before he goes live <laughs> Yeah, write in a news segment and say Ryan Reynolds is playing Bob Ross in an upcoming movie, and I'll lose it. Hey, man, you better watch out. Depending on where this episode gets distributed, somebody, some producer, some producer's aide may catch wind of that and may actually propose that and push, that's a good (laughs) fucking idea. Everybody loves Ryan Reynolds. We should get the guy that everybody loves to play Bob Ross. (laughs) I can see it now, honestly. I'm scared. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. No, I, I could 100% see that. Like, unironically, like, I I would expect to see that get made. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Brad, what the fuck is Ron's Gone Wrong? So this uh, is a 4K release from 2021. It appears to be a CGI animated film. Oh, it's a Disney fucking film. What the f- I had no idea this was the thing. What? Is this a theatrical film? <laughs> it is. I think it was a, an acquisition. I think it was a Fox film originally. 
Oh. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. I, I literally know nothing about this movie other than that. It did come out theatrically. I do remember that, but uh, that's all I know. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on then. So apparently that's a, a Disney CGI animated film called Ron's Gone Wrong on 4K and Blu-ray. But beside that, we have an RLJ Entertainment disc, uh, certified fresh, mind you of a film that I was watching trailers for when it was first announced because I was curious. Um, I did not end up watching it, but I I kept my eye on it for five minutes. Uh, (laughs) uh, This is Werewolves Within, uh, which is directed by Josh Rubin, and it stars uh, Sam Richardson and uh, Milana Vaintrup, who is, of course, uh, the spokesman or spokesperson for what service, Brad? Uh, I can't. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you're asking me like you expect me to know, and I do know because I do follow her on Instagram. It's AT&T. Um, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Brad will know what her, <laughs> he follows her on social media. I already know. Well, I mean, <laughs> there was a little bit of that, but it's also like I don't I don't have access to like terrestrial television anymore. So it's like I don't see a lot of these ads like I just I just get like cell phone ads and shit these days. But mm-hmm. AT&T anyway, um, she's also she was supposed to be a squirrel girl uh, in the uh, in the MCU. Um, but I think they downgraded that to just a voice role. Uh, for like animation projects or something, so she she almost got to be part of the MCU, but I think she's just like a voice player these days. But yeah, uh, this movie I saw a trailer for it. I didn't. Ex- it's kept fairly like ambiguous as to exactly what the fuck is going on in the trailer, but something about the combination of the lighting and the the charisma level of of the cast members like seemed seemed like something i could check out like it it didn't seem like a horrible gamble uh, to put this movie on yeah and uh of course uh I, she is uh, a wonderful actress she is a selling point i do like sam richardson uh i think he's uh, a funny guy he's a selling point as well and uh you know we got uh this is based on a video game and it is certified fresh it could be i there was talk that this might be the best reviewed video game movie of all time, potentially. Um, I don't know if that stat is actually 100% accurate, but it's got to be up there. Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of a a tricky ecosystem. It's not it's not exactly packed to the brim with hits, so it doesn't exactly take the most stellar of film to to grasp that title. But hey, you know maybe 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 it is certified fresh i can't say the same for you know say mortal Kombat annihilation <laughs> so yeah it could it could have that title um i don't really know anyone who's seen it just yet um but yeah maybe maybe check it out um beside that we have another uh, surprisingly certified fresh film i was not expecting that for this film uh, because i did see an uh, advertisement for this one uh, i've seen some decent word of mouth uh, among critics for this one, but this is a uh, Joe Carnahan's uh, cop shop. Oh shit! Now, I forgot Joe Carnahan directed this. I gotta check this out. Yeah, he uh, he had a minute there where he seemed like he was he was gonna like make some major moves in Hollywood, and then he had like a couple of critical missteps, and I feel like he didn't get blacklisted per se, but uh, he, he lost his momentum. Is what happened uh, because he had that stretch there where like um, he was doing. Like smoke and aces sucked. I'm 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 gonna be that guy who says that. But um, I really loved the gray. Uh, that film quite impressed me. 
the A team, not so much. Um, but the movie that I remember um, kind of put him on off track uh, was a film called El Chicano. Um, he was very personally invested in it, from what I understand, and uh, he was really pissed at, at uh, the producers um, for not not having as much confidence in the product as he did, um, and the the other like cast and crew had in it. And he, he there was some like feelings of betrayal and uh, resulted in like a little bit of a lull in his career. But um, as far as I understand, uh, he came back uh, pretty solidly with that boss level movie. Mm-hmm. And now we have Cop Shop. And of course, like Frank Grillo seems to be like one of his go to guys. He's the headliner of both of those films, as far as I can tell. But yeah, uh, this film, I I think, did make theaters. Um and as far as I understand, it did actually review pretty decently, but I don't, I don't really know any, any, anyone personally uh, who's seen it just yet. But this, this is like a perfect candidate for me for like a red box rental or something. <laughs> like Joe Carnahan, Frank Grillo, Gerard Butler. <laughs> yeah, that's that's red box material right there. <laughs> yeah, and listen, I mean, we're in the worst year in cinema history. With Wrath of Man all but guaranteed to make my top ten list, Cop Shop has a chance to sneak in there as well. So I might have to check this out in the next week or two. Yeah, go for it. I, I hope I hope you get a chance to like ram that in there before before the year is out. I didn't know it was certified fresh until uh, I'm looking at the cover of the Blu-ray. I I thought this was just going to be a piece of crap that I would check out and end up liking, but now it might be a piece of crap I check out and end up loving. So sold. Yeah, I, I may have to check this one out as well, although I'm probably not in as much of a hurry as you. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to move us right along to a film that uh, Brad had reviewed for his podcast, the Cinema Speak podcast. Um, Brad, would you care to let the folks at home know uh, what I'm alluding to here and what your feelings on it are? <laughs> well, we got Clint Eastwood's Cry Macho on 4K, which... Uh is up there for me as one of the worst films of the year. It's easily the most boring film of the year. It's it's horrendous. Clint Eastwood, love the guy. He's a legend. And honestly, Richard Jewell was actually actually pretty good. But every once in a while, you know, sometimes old people, they need help every now and then. Like, sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. I mean, Richard Jewell was pretty good. Cry Macho is garbage. Uh, you know, then you got the 1517 to Paris, another piece of garbage. He's all over the map and cry macho definitely up there as one of his, uh, worst films in recent years. It's like so uneventful and it tries to be kind of like a hangout film, but the, the, the kid that he is hanging out with is so bad. He so like one of the worst performances I've ever seen in a mainstream movie. Um, Clint Eastwood, not much better. It's a turd. I mean, I it's it's embarrassing <laughs> that Warner Brothers put this on 4K over Malignant. Embarrassing. Yeah, actually, that's kind of surprising. I want to say that that comes down to just like name recognition and nothing else, uh, because not nothing about the presentation, at least from the trailers that I saw, suggested this film really needs a 4K pressing. Uh, whereas Malignant, just again from like trailers and from clips I've seen online, like 
Seems like there's a some visual flourish. There's some visual flair going on with the presentation of that film that could they could benefit from a 4K presentation. But yeah, Cry Macho was a, a wonderful episode of Bradshaw. Um, like like the, the the atmosphere was generally kind of sullen, but you guys salvaged it. Like Thank you. you made it you made it to the finish line and you didn't hurt yourselves in the process. So I hats mean, off to you guys. The only reason we reviewed it is because it was one of those HBO Max theatrical releases. I will never commit to that ever again. I don't care if we go through another pandemic and there's some game-changing announcement by a studio that they announce they're going to upload every movie into your brain. I'm not doing I'm not reviewing them all again. That was the worst decision I've ever made. I I was out of town that weekend and I just a whole weekend I was dreading going home and having to watch Cry Macho. I was like fuck the whole weekend I'm, we're having a fun time and it's like ah oh, fuck Sunday night get home I got to watch Cry Macho. It was the worst. And the movie was even worse than I expected. So <laughs> avoid. <laughs> I was picturing you on the couch. It's like, I'm not even hungover, but for some reason, this movie's just kicking the shit out of me. Honestly. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so does that mean, uh, what, Matrix Resurrections is next up on the docket? Yep, it's uh, it's, uh, coming out uh, next week, and uh, it will be the last one. We will have officially done it. And uh, thank God for that. (laughs) Yeah, after, after, you know fiascos like the little things and those who wish me dead i i don't blame you for i that was a really cool idea brad to commit to doing all the hbo max theatrical releases but you know it didn't it didn't quite work out (laughs) at the time it was just it was such a game-changing announcement and there was like no movies coming out so it was like whoa like we were at a time where like there was like no theatrical movies when that was announced and it's like whoa, we're going to get to watch all their theatrical movies at home? It was like hype. And then once actual theatrical movies started coming out again, it's like, why are we reviewing Cry Macho when we could be reviewing something else? Yeah, it, you know, it was a fun experiment. Yeah. But ne- no longer. <laughs> Honestly, The Little Things is one of the be- like. It- wasn't the best but that was one i don't regret reviewing that one that one was actually not that's one of the ones i don't regret reviewing that one that one at least you know sticks the landing yeah um but yeah i wouldn't call it a classic of the genre but at least like i said it sticks the landing but those who wish me dead actually i was interested in checking that that out because of the taylor sheridan factor um but it was actually Brad's review that convinced me otherwise. <laughs> and to date, I have yet to watch that film. And I do have an HBO Max subscription. <laughs> it's almost more offensive than Cry Macho because it's so much more... It's, like, better, but it's, like, better to the point of being mediocre. And that makes it worse, if that makes any sense. Well, and, you know, a Clint Eastwood movie with this style of presentation, you're not really expecting a whole lot of fireworks from it but something yeah. like like a ter- taylor sheridan like angelina jolie headlined like action thriller set in the wilderness with a fucking wildfire it's like there's a lot of missed opportunities that i would imagine could arise from from that particular math equation um so yeah i, I would imagine the expectations going in could could sour that experience but yeah Anyway, uh, we have the number 17 from 1932, which is a uh, Kino release. Um, the Kino always goes for volume from month to month. I've noticed that. Oh, they yeah. just like, they just, <laughs> just like they do, the, they do the whole room. They spray the whole room. But 
Um, and beside that, we have a uh, Paramount Presents release of a uh, Harold and Maude uh, from 1971. Um, this does look like, oh, wow, uh, this was put out by Criterion a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a, a alternative uh, disc of the same film. Um, this is Paramount Presents number 29 for any uh, collectors out there. Uh, we have Mr. Majestic, uh, a Charles Bronson film from 1974, a 2K remaster, also a Kino disc. I remember my dad talking about this one a few times when I was a kid. Um, and uh, we have our first uh, Criterion uh, release for the month, and that would be uh, One Night in Miami from 2020. Um, this film, on paper, I was really intrigued by the premise. Um, however, I didn't get around to watching it. Was th- was this on like HBO at one point? I think it was an Amazon. Yeah, film, yeah, yeah. Maybe? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, directed by Regina King, uh, and I like her a lot as an actress. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen the film, so I don't know uh, her directorial skills. That that was one thing where I was a little because I did like the premise. I liked the actors. I was a little like you know any any time an actor goes to is like tries to direct i'm always a little like "Mm," you know but uh i heard mostly good things about it and i think it was nominated for uh, some golden globes and maybe a couple oscars so uh i'd be curious to check it out i wouldn't pick up the criterion but uh you know could be interesting yeah for any uh, tech heads out there it did get uh five stars audio visual uh on blu-ray.com this this movie again on paper sounded very fascinating to me um, this is a film I really should be watching, uh, some like ASAP. Um, I'll probably just end up watching it on Amazon or something instead of buying the Criterion, but it is what it is. Uh, we have Get Crazy, uh, or alternate title Flip Out <laughs> from 1983. Wow, that's an interesting alternative title. Um, that's another Kino disc. And uh, we have a film that I have been have it's like the sword of motherfucking damocles hanging over my head for like the past year now uh we have dear evan hansen from 2021 uh this is a universal disc and the reason i refer to this film as such is because uh my my girlfriend uh is a singer she loves herself some musical theater on top of that uh and she was ecstatic when this film was announced uh as a film and good fucking god, Brad, have you read the reviews for this piece of shit? Oh, this this was the punching bag of the year for sure. Yes, yes, the punching bag of a of a shitstorm of the year in the cinema world. Twenty twenty one, as Brad had said, I don't know if it's the worst year for movies, but it's not a good one. Um, but yeah, this movie, everybody came out of the woodwork to just like take a chunk out of because this is apparently a huge turd. Um, and I am on the hook to watch it <laughs> someday. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious to watch it out of morbid curiosity. I mean, um, I think, like, I don't know. I, again, I haven't seen it. It could be as bad as people are saying. I do wonder if a lot of the reason that it's, like, getting this hate, like the lightning rod for the hate is, what is his name, Ben Platt? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The casting of him, which is so embarrassingly awkward and him as a high schooler and the way that you know i know he he did it on stage or whatever i don't care about that but like the the way that they try and make him look younger with that hair just makes him look so much older and it's so it's so funny looking 
Yeah, that it's a combination of the hair and his makeup. Like mm-hmm. he looks like really pasty and weird looking, and also he's doing a thing with his body language where he's doing like he's like pulling his shoulders in. It just makes him look like the creepiest of creepers. Um, yeah, everything about this movie, like editing, cinematography, like even even some of the vocal performances, I've just heard nothing but crap about. Um, I <laughs> such that I'm actually kind of like morbidly curious (laughs) as to what it's going to be um but as i said i will have to watch this movie eventually it just hasn't happened yet um but i'm kind of i'm kind of in the position where i'm like really eagerly anticipating it actually when it pops up on a streaming service and i can watch it for free i will watch it 100 percent yeah, speaking of Beavis and Butthead Mystery Science Theater 3000, um, this seems like a perfect candidate for that style of, of viewing. Um, don't come into it with any any expectations, because, yeah, I've heard some shit. But uh, moving right along, uh, we have Trog uh, with uh, Michael Gaw, uh, or Go, uh, who, of course, portrayed uh, Alfred in uh, the Tim Burton Batman films through the Joel Schumacher era. Uh, he's he's a, a veteran of uh, British horror and whatnot. Um, we have a film called Busting with Elliot Gould. A uh, big month for him, apparently. Um, we have 21 Hours at Munich uh, from 1976 with uh, my boy, uh, William Holden, and also my boy, uh, Franco Nero, uh, who's, of course, an Italian director who at one point was tapped to play a ninja because that's what you do. Um, he was also the evil general in uh, Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Um, but, uh, Brad, uh, speaking of Arrow releases, uh, things to be excited about, is this one you're going to be picking up, this uh, Giallo, Giallo Essentials from 1973 to 1975? Well, Trevor, I'm glad you asked. This will not be one I will be picking up, because this is simply a repackaging of previous releases. Um, now it's not any releases that I currently own, so I guess I, and I don't know price wise, maybe I could save money if I wanted to buy all those three individually versus in this box set. But then you get into the whole thing of all of a sudden you just got like a box and you put it under G. I'd just rather just buy them individually. And I gotta say, I, the films included, I'm sure they are, uh, worth watching. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I I haven't bought them yet. I, I'm not going to buy the box set. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, yeah, folks at home, Brad is a he's a fan of the giallo subgenre of horror. Uh, so I of, of course had to ask. Um, but uh, moving right along, we have a code red release of something called Checkered Flag or Crash, um, 1977. I really dig that cover art. That's literally the only reason I I singled it out. Uh, we have an Orson Welles film, Black Magic, from 1949. And uh, I will single this one out just because the title always made me laugh. Um, we have Blue Monkey, from 1987, um, which uh, the cover on the cover, like the title on the cover, that is, uh, just says Insect, because that is, of course, what the monster is in this film. It's a, it's like a blue-tinged insect creature. But for whatever reason, the official release title for this film has been and always I guess will be Blue Monkey. I don't know what who just fuck decided that needed to be the title of this film, but uh, as far as I remember, it's it's a uh, Canadian monster movie, mm. and not a very good one. On top of that, but just a weird trivia factoid I felt like pointing out there. But um, I'm about ready to move on to the next month here, but 
I need to stop for one second because my boy uh, has a release. He has two releases this month, if memory serves. Um, and this is actually a really good one, Brad, that I will strongly urge you to check out. Um, so, of course, my boy that I'm alluding to here is, of course, the legendary uh, Scott Adkins. Uh, he has a film called One Shot uh, that dropped on December 7th. And this is directed by James Nunn, who he had worked with previously on a Green Street Hooligans 3, I think. Yes, Brad, there are more than one Green Street Hooligans films. <laughs> and I know you didn't know that, but I, I only own the Scott Adkins one, not even the first one, which is a legit, very good film. But um, this film, Brad, uh, also also has Ryan Phillippe, who oddly enough is like the worst part of the whole movie. Like, I don't know if he was just checked out or something, or maybe he was jealous of the fact that he didn't really get to do any of the cool action stuff in this movie, but he's just, he's operating on a different tempo than everyone else in this film. But hmm. I would strongly urge you to check this out because the concept of this film is that it's a, it's basically a stitched together in post uh, to look like a single take. Ah. Um, and it's done exceedingly skillfully. Like, some of the ballistics, like like you'll notice that there's not a whole lot of recoil when people shoot, and it does get a little distracting from time to time. Um, but the reason for that is purely logistical, like managing managing like blank firing weapons or something, like anything u- utilizing actual actual pyrotechnics and whatnot would just be too. It wouldn't be cost effective. It would be a nightmare to like reset the camera and go again. Um, so it you can hand wave away some of that stuff. You can forgive some of that stuff, but um, what they put together here is massively impressive. Like this is one of the better action films I saw all year, honestly. Um, And some of the choreography they managed to execute within these restrictions is very impressive. And not only that, the quality of the acting performances, not something I need in a Scott Atkins film, mind you. It was very impressive. There's, there's a, there's a scene between, uh, the villain of the film, and basically just a young extra uh, that is shockingly effective on a dramatic and emotional level. Uh, really, really, really scintillating stuff. Like I was very impressed. I did not need that. I did not expect that, um, but it's there and it, it works. Um, this is this is like very high on like the good Scott Atkins movies list. Uh, so I would highly encourage you to check this out. Maybe even watch it the same day you watch Cop Shop. Seems hmm. like a good double feature, maybe. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I had no, I've, I'd never heard of this before, so uh, I'm intrigued, and I'm glad you pointed it out because the cover didn't uh, didn't do too much for me. So, oh yeah, from from an aesthetic standpoint, this is terrible cover art. Like like it's it it is as bland as as a piece of white bread laying on your kitchen floor. Like like they really could have done better with it, but um, speaks nothing to the actual quality of the film. Thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's uh, bop on down to the next week. Good God, there have been a lot of interesting releases this month already. Um, so on uh, December 14th, uh, which is our next Tuesday in the month of December 2021, uh, we, of course, open with the 4K releases. And the first big one here is uh, Venom, colon, Let There Be Carnage uh, from 2021, again on 4K. Uh, I actually picked this up on blu-ray from like a, a secondhand store like days after it it hit the hit the like official shelves and whatnot mm-hmm. um and i actually f- quite enjoyed it for the most part i, I was, did too I, I was shocked by how much fun i had with this movie 
<laughs> yeah, it just it knows what it is. It's straightforward. It's short. Like it just gets to the goods and it doesn't waste your time. I like I I enjoyed it as well. Yeah, I, I think I think you you hit the nail on the head. It it doesn't try to be any more than it is, and what's more, it moves. And it's actually kind of funny because you can you can actually feel the chunks ripped out of the movie. Like they're just like these these staggering omissions in the narrative that they're they're just like no we ain't got time for that like mm-hmm. characterization what's that <laughs> it's like you know honestly good call like like you know normally that wouldn't be my go to like normally I would favor like you know padding out the runtime with maybe a little bit more dimension a little bit more characterization a little more drama but no they they knew what they had and they're like no let's keep it short. Let's keep it short and sweet. And it worked out, honestly. Like, I was very surprised by this movie. Yeah, I know uh, when the runtime was, like, first released or whatever announced, I think there was some uproar from fans. There was like, oh, this movie's only 90 minutes? Like, what the heck? We want a a two-and-a-half-hour superhero blockbuster. And uh, I gotta say, I was the exact opposite. When I heard it was 90 minutes, I was like, this this could be a very pleasant surprise. And it kind of was. Yeah, I forget. Did you review this one with Santino? Because yeah. I know he's your comic book guy. Yep. Yeah, we reviewed this one, and uh, yeah, I gave, I gave it a pretty uh, pretty solid uh, solid marks, and uh, I liked Woody Harrelson in it. Um, I would I would potentially uh, pick this up on 4K. Not gonna rush out and get it, but um, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I I don't have like a, a running list of of better movie quotes from 2021, but I will say. You got any of them internets is kind of high on the list for this year, honestly. Pretty good. (laughs) I mean, the timing of it and coming from Woody Harrelson in that fucking suit with that fucking haircut. (laughs) I I laughed. I laughed pretty fucking hard. (laughs) You got any of them internets? (laughs) But yeah, um, it needs to be said, uh, if you are a fan of, of the comic book iterations of the characters featured in this film probably not gonna like if you're like a hardcore fan that is you're probably not going to be a fan of this film um but if you just want 90 minutes to just like turn your brain off fun yeah this movie actually does work like i i i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fight that like i I enjoyed the movie like i'm not (laughs) i don't know what that says about me as a critic like if you want to call me a critic but yeah i had fun with let there be carnage Mm -hmm. um but moving on, we have a, a 4K release, a Paramount Pictures 4K release of Martin Scorsese's uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. And I believe this is debuting on the format. That's a kind of a shocker, uh, given yeah. how successful this movie was and how well it sold in general and like how beloved it became almost instantaneously. But um, that all signs point to it being an excellent candidate for the 4K upgrade. Um, and actually, I don't own this movie. And it's been a hot minute since I've seen it, uh, so maybe maybe I should run out and it's grab time. this disc. It's time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I quite enjoy this movie. Um, yeah, yeah, anything to say about it, Brad? No, not really. I I like the film a lot as well. It's been a while since I've seen it, mostly just because of the uh, the runtime. Um, you know, bit of a barrier there, but yeah, you know, I I do think it's a great film. Although the Foo Fighters needle drop still unforgivable. Still, that's the one thing. Like, man. It's a great movie, and my mind immediately flashes to uh, them playing Everlong, and it's just like, what a for somebody like Scorsese, what a not that I don't like that song, but man, that's a terrible needle drop in that moment. Oh, 
Yeah, actually, that was a weird vibe I got from the movie in general. Because I mean, a lot of a lot of the the editing style, the presentation style of the movie is very much akin to some of his earlier films. Um, case in point, the needle drops. But the major separating factor between this and his earlier films is the timeline mm-hmm. and the t- the decades in which this film largely takes place are a bit further along the timeline than I think he's like best prepared to handle (laughs) like like he he really does he has immaculate taste when it comes to assembling soundtracks for his films like his soundscapes are always always incredible always memorable stuff but just something about like those those particular decades like the 80s and the 90s it just feels wrong for for martin scorsese to be like making a movie set in that time period for some reason I mean, that's it's weird for me to say that because, I mean, obviously he's an incredible director that can pretty much do anything um, and has done everything. But, yeah, it just you get a weird vibe when you're watching it. It's like, how, how like who, who picked the song? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah. Another weird thing about the movie, too, is that I, I walked away from it really concerned that uh, maybe people my age or slightly younger than me would walk away from it taking the wrong message from it <laughs> oh 100 percent. it's yeah, the new I, I, yeah. taxi driver fight club you know the it's the new dorm room poster movie for sure you you hit the nail on the head dorm room poster movie absolutely it's like you, you just you you watch the movie you digested it but you got all the wrong points <laughs> it's like congratulations you, you are now a force for bad in the universe <laughs> yeah it's amazing how often that happens with movies that are you know like they're great movies but yeah they just come out the other side and it's like that's uh that so you you like that guy like you want to be that guy okay i mean that's an interesting uh, take on that but okay. oh yeah tyler tyler durden's a pretty popular character mm-hmm. uh, among men of a certain age generally um and maybe the biggest one at least from for me growing up was scarface yeah uh the the brian de palma scarface um holy shit like a lot of people love that movie for all the wrong reasons <laughs> it's shocking um but beside the wolf of wall street we have a disc that uh brad you had told me you had actually gotten as a gift uh this holiday season uh, you want to let the folks at home know what that might be? I did. I was gifted the last duel directed by Ridley Scott, and uh, I'm hyped to watch this. Uh, I don't know, like it came out. If I, it was a bit of a box office bomb, and I gotta say, I didn't see any trailers for this. I didn't see any advertisements. So I think more than anything, that might have been the reason it was a bit of a letdown. But when it was released, I had no idea the concept, and I'm ready to. This this could be getting a force feed for me. I'm. It's been a terrible year for movies. I like Ridley Scott. I like the cast. I'm loving the concept, the, the three different perspectives kind of thing. This could be uh, getting some very high marks, especially because I will be watching it on 4K as a first-time watch. So this could be a game-changer. Yeah, I've actually heard quite a bit of of good about this film and in fact like i noticed a lot of critics were on the warpath about this movie and its lack of success they're like this is why you all suck (laughs) like this is why we can't have nice things because y'all didn't go out to see the last duel which is a very good film that none of you went to go see um yeah i actually would very much like to watch this Um, everything about it kind of jumped out at me as like ooh, that does that does actually really look intriguing to me and uh 
I didn't actually know it until my brother pointed it out, uh, I think, last week. But um, I did not know that this is a, a Ben Affleck and Matt Damon written film. Yeah, uh, there's three writers. There's also a female writer um, I, that I don't recognize here, but I didn't know that they were involved in the production like to a further capacity than just being in the cast. Yeah, I think I don't, so. I gotta say, like, I think just the marketing of this movie was a letdown. I mean, if this movie couldn't convince me, who I see tons of stuff in theaters, if this movie didn't like, if the marketing didn't convince me to go see this, when I love Ridley Scott. And I'm like, now that I own it on 4K, I'm hyped to watch it. Like, I think that I'm not blaming. I know Ridley Scott was blaming the millennials on their cell phones. I'm not blaming that. But uh, I don't know. I I do think it was just a bit of a failure in terms of getting butts in seats. Yeah, I think you're on to something with that, actually, because um, what I what I've read about this uh, suggests that Ben Affleck is like kind of the secret weapon of the whole production. Um, his performance is getting a lot of praise and yet I don't think even a single word is spoken by him in most of the promotion for it Mm -hmm. so it's like why would you do that why would you put the best thing in your movie or the most entertaining thing in your movie anyway Uh, why would you just like throw that under the rug instead of putting it front and center in the marketing Um, yeah it wasn't it wasn't heavily promoted for the most part but I as Brad and I are both saying we're both pretty intrigued to check this one out um, so let me know how it goes. Um, I'm looking forward to a micro review from you on, oh, yeah. uh, on the Cinema Speak podcast. But uh, bopping on down, we got another uh, Criterion release, uh, a 4K Criterion release, and uh, they only recently entered the market. Uh, so this is a big fucking deal for them. Uh, this is the Red Shoes uh, from 1948. And uh, Brad, do you know anything about this particular release? Uh, no, I no, I don't know too much about it. Um, I I know it's a very like a little bit of an obvious, I guess, choice for a Criterion 4K, but doesn't mean it's not worth upgrading. Uh, I've never seen the film, but I know you know it's got very uh, a very high reputation amongst uh, cinephiles and uh, filmmakers. Yeah, it got a perfect score for a visual presentation on blu-ray.com so make it that what you will uh as we tend to say here on catching up on cinema if it's part of the criterion collection it is probably worth your time uh so moving right along though we have the mitchells versus the machines uh from 2021 which appears to be an animated film uh from sony pictures uh a studio which has gotten a lot of goodwill in recent years thanks to uh spider-man uh into the spider-verse uh the sequel of which was announced not too long ago uh so look forward to that and then uh brad uh this is uh this is one of the better covers if you ask me or one of the more eye-catching covers of this month i i noticed this one a long time ago when uh when the releases were first getting populated on blu-ray.com but uh what i've been alluding to here is a a release of the kindred uh from synapse films this is a steelbook release which Again, it's not a selling point for Brad and I personally, but uh, this is from 1987. And uh, folks at home, do yourself a favor and uh, check out this cover. It's pretty snazzy. Uh, It's provocative. uh, It's simple. um, But it gets the job done and then some. Yeah, I love the minimalism of it. Uh, I mean, this is what what I prefer over a Scream Factory loaded cover. This is what I like. Yeah, and uh, speaking of shitty covers... uh, the uh the blu-ray cover for uh the standard blu-ray cover for venom let there be carnage 
uh, is an image that I, uh, I have a, a buddy who's a designer, um, that whenever I see bad book or movie covers, I always send it to him and just say, look at this shit. <laughs> um, so, uh, the, the poster for Venom, let there be carnage was a strong candidate for one of the worst posters I've seen in a hot minute. Um, just all the light sources are wrong. Uh, all the positions of the figures are just utterly wrong where it's like, hang on, but like the Venom heads, like on the wrong side like like the carnage head is closer to tom hardy than it is to woody harrelson so if you didn't know which which one belongs to who then you god damn it <laughs> like this is everything's wrong um now brad am i wrong in in thinking that this arrow release of the snake girl and the silver-haired witch has been released like six fucking times yeah it keeps popping up on these release calendars i don't know what the delay is what the reason is i think it just keeps getting pushed and uh it's like such a not low priority i guess but like it's not like a big hyped arrow release so i don't think they've actually been giving like any updates on it it just keeps getting pushed back and i was kind of intrigued when it was first announced and i kind of have lost interest the more that it's just been popping up on these release calendars i'm kind of just like i don't know if it's out i don't know i really don't know i mean i know it's a good movie because you told me so but the bird with the crystal plumage just just put it away man like i'm so fucking tired of seeing that cover pop up on the release calendar like every other month yeah. it's, it's getting tiresome at this point but um jumping on down we have uh Cartoon Saloon's Irish Folklore Trilogy uh, from Shout Factory. And this is a three animated films uh, from Ireland. And uh, all of them are fairly critically acclaimed, if memory serves. Uh, I haven't seen any of them, but I remember them getting pretty good word of mouth. Um, kind of a, a sleeper release there. I didn't expect that to be coming out. but um, Yeah. I yeah. saw Wolf Walkers out of the three. Um, and uh, really liked the animation wasn't like that crazy about the movie as a whole but it did look amazing yeah sometimes that's all you need in the world of animation like if Mm -hmm. you can wow on a technical level um sometimes that's good enough for me personally um actually uh, my uh, girlfriend and her family we all had a very fascinating discussion the other day uh about different things that people need um from films in order to enjoy them we came away from that conversation with the understanding that like both the ladies at the table absolutely need a good plot and structure. Otherwise, they'll be frustrated by the experience. And both me and, and the dad were just like, yeah, like if you if you give me like really good, strong presentation and like characterization, I can forgive so much plot holes. <laughs> like I, I can just hand wave all that shit away if you if you fill in those holes with other flourishes. Now, very interesting conversation. But um, we have a uh, Arrow uh, Dune. 4k this would be the david lynch film this would this had been released previously i'm not entirely sure why it's popping up on the calendar now um but brad is of course a proud owner uh and uh presentation would you would you say it's uh stellar uh i would say i don't know if i'd say stellar i'd say great i don't know if i'd go stellar that might be a little step too far but it does look uh it does look great it's a handsome disc yeah <laughs> Not amazing. Crazy here. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Keep your pants on. <laughs> uh, we have another Arrow release of My Stepmother is an Alien from 1988, which, of course, uh, features Dan Aykroyd and Kim Basinger, as well as uh, John Lovitz. Um, <laughs> I, I, I 
I think I saw this movie when I was young, but I have almost no memories of it. Just like little fragments, uh, such that I'd actually be curious to check this one out again. Um, we have Revenge of the Shogun Women uh, from 1977 in 3D uh, from Kino, because K- Kino puts out all the discs, apparently. Um, and I'm going to kick it over to you again, Brad. Uh, take your pick. What jumps out at you next? Well, I'll mention uh, a movie I haven't seen yet, but I will be watching before the end of the year. Well, before the, I make my top ten list, I should say. Uh, the Card Counter, starring Oscar Isaac and uh, directed by Paul Schrader, uh, who is notable for uh, writing Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, and uh, I think it was his film before this one, First Reformed, which I loved, was my favorite film of that year. Another terrible year for movies, but it was number one of that year. Um, so I've heard pretty good things about this one. Um, and uh, I, I won't be buying the Blu-ray, but I will be uh, renting this digitally and watching it in the next week or two. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that he had done First Reformed. I had heard very, very good things about that. Mm-hmm. It rocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on down, we're going to skip a few releases here. I will point out that we have a film called Going Berserk. Uh, from 1983, also a Shout Factory release, and it's very worth pointing out because it is headlined by one John Candy, mm. who we all miss so very much. God, I miss John Candy. He just makes you smile. He just makes you feel good. Yeah. Uh, when he shows up in Home Alone, man, just, just he's the best human being. Like he just, he just brightens your day. <laughs> it's just the a best. great, great moment when he offers her the clarinet. And uh, yeah. <laughs> she says, no, thank you. And then he goes right back into the song. <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually heard the other day that like virtually all of their scenes together, because they're both like heavily steeped in the improv world. Mm-hmm. Apparently, pretty much all of their scenes together were just improvised on the yeah, fly. And I believe that. Look at look at the results. It's incredible. It's like it's like a episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway? But mm-hmm. Home Alone. Yeah, I miss John Candy yeah. a lot. Um, and uh, Eugene Levy is in there as well, so uh, he's got a buddy with him. He's got a tag partner, if you will. Um, we have a Criterion release of The Learning Tree from 1969, which, um, who is this directed by? Gordon Parks. Gordon Parks. He directed Shaft! Oh, <laughs> so, yes. So, of course, he belongs in the Criterion collection. <laughs> That's right. Um, I do remember when this was announced, simply because I remember the Shaft comparison. I think that's the only thing I know about Gordon Parks. It's like, yeah. what, why is that? That's a name I've not heard since Shaft. <laughs> um, but moving right along, uh, we have uh, The Four Seasons from uh, 1981. That's an Alan Alda film and Carol Burnett as well. Uh, Put Your Devil Into My Hell. <laughs> that is a fucking title and and a cover Good God, Brad! What is happening on this cover? <laughs> yeah, is this uh, is this an adult feature? Uh... I will read the plot description, and th- you better fucking believe this is Italian as fuck. Uh, Ricardo is a playboy who is prepared to do anything to go to bed with the wife of the mayor of Montelupone. Yes, uh, I would imagine there is some softcore in this film at the very least. Um, that is quite the fucking. T- Put your devil into my hell. Does feature a few uh, notable cast members. Uh, we've got uh, Carla Mancini, who I don't know any. I don't know who she is, but she is in the Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Oh, 
and uh, there is somebody from the movie The Police Are Blundering in the Dark, which uh, I do believe is a movie included in the Vinegar Syndrome Forgotten Gialli collection. So, I mean, there you go. Just huge cast. <laughs> huge. The hugest. Um, beside that, though, we have a uh, 4K release of Donnie Darko uh, from Arrow. I believe this had been released previously. Again, I'm not sure why Arrow does this from time to time, but um, if if you forgot, here's your reminder. Um, we have... Oh, Brad, I want to call this as our first Lionsgate. I'm calling it right now. I'm clicking on it. Dangerous from 2021. Is it a Lionsgate? Is 100%. it a, it is a it is 100 fucking percent a Lionsgate, but there is nary a gun in sight. No firearms on the cover, but you better fucking believe this is a Scott Eastwood film cuz this is where he's at. <laughs> I mean, like the-, <laughs> the the cast alone just screams Lionsgate. Oh yeah, we got we got the leftovers of a of a Fast and Furious film, so that would be Scott Eastwood. And uh, Tyrese, and uh, we got Famke Jansen, and uh, and Mel Gibson, and Kevin Durand is listed in there, but he's not featured on the cover. Um, I be- I believe he is like actually property of the Lionsgate Corporation. I'm not positive on that, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. <laughs> but yeah. yes, everything about the construction of this cover tipped me off to the fact this is a Lionsgate. Although it is. A curious omission in the form of no firearms being present on this cover. Hmm. Somebody, somebody needs to be fired for that. But, um, Brad, try try your best to help me out here because I'm I'm struggling. I've been looking at this for the past five minutes now. And a uh, dead pit from Code Red. This font with this particular like glow effect on it. What? Why? Why does this feel so familiar? It is very familiar. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not it's sure. Not, it's. I don't think it's Reanimator, but it's something akin to that. Yeah, it's definitely giving off those vibes. It, it's making the film seem like it's. It's giving it the vibe that it's some sort of classic that I should know, even though I, I don't think it is. Oh no! Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, it does look like a Bud the Zombie from a Day of the Dead on the cover a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But De- The Dead Pit from 1989 put out by Code Red, I don't believe is anyone's favorite. But something about that font and something about that presentation is very familiar. And it's it's just wrecking me inside to not be able to recall what it's, what it's reminding me of. But I'll bounce on down to a uh, RLJ Entertainment release of uh, a film called uh, South of Heaven um, starring Jason Sudeikis, Evangeline Lilly, Shay Wiggum, uh, Kyle's favorite, <laughs> and uh, Luke Cage himself, uh, Mike Coulter. Now, uh, I don't know a damn thing about this, Brad, but being as Jason Sudeikis is on the cover, you have an Apple TV subscription from time to time, correct? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Yeah. What the fuck is up with this Ted Lasso shit? Well, let me tell you, it's a pretty uh, pretty nice little show. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's a... Uh... It's a you know not the funniest show, but it's especially the first season. It does a real good job at uh, like it's a very heartwarming feel good show, but it, it doesn't like overdo it. Maybe in the second season they overdo it a little bit, but uh, the whole concept with him being brought in and uh, as the coach, he's an American football coach. They bring him in to coach a, a football team in 
the UK, a soccer team, and with the intent on bombing the team and the way that his uh, optimism wins everybody over, let me tell you, it's going to win you over as well. You just wait. Yeah, I I didn't mean to like make a big stink about. It. I was I was joking. Hey, um, I, mean, I I don't I don't know anything about Ted Lasso. I've just noticed uh, there've been a lot of like think pieces put out about it in the past couple of years. Like a lot of people were pointing to it as like the show everybody needs during the pandemic. And then if you go another layer deeper, a lot of people were doing like dissections of it, like speaking to the fact that it's like you know on the surface level this is a story like the attractive element is that it's a story about positivity and whatnot but apparently like the characterization runs considerably deeper than that it's like in general i've heard good things it's just like one of those things that's like i keep hearing about it and i think you're the only person i know who has apple tv so i don't really have anyone around me i can talk to about it i have watched it it is pretty good it i mean for me it just kind of fits nicely into that zone of like the office or parks and rec just kind of a nice like half hour comedy, you know, fun to watch. You like the characters, um, so it's it's yeah. I wouldn't say subscribe just for that show, but no, subscribe for all the mediocre Tom Hanks films. <laughs> hey, Finch wasn't too bad. <laughs> oh, you you did get around to watching that? I did see Finch. Yeah, it was it was all right. It was okay. I actually kind of wanted to see the the uh, World War Two one. Like that that seemed like a movie that would uniquely appeal to only like some people but like the people that that appeals to would like really do it for them yeah that one that one didn't do much for me unfortunately i, I heard some people liked it a lot but not, not i heard me. it was exceedingly dry yeah like it, it's it's basically a jargon movie where it's mm-hmm. like none of this dialogue is really going to be meaningful but it's like if you just like being in that environment and seeing the stuff and hearing the stuff like it'll do it for you but yeah i, I could see it not being like a a, a movie with mass appeal and speaking of which we do have a film called mass appeal being put out by code red from 1984 good transition yeah yeah we're, we're getting better at this shit we've only been <laughs> doing it a couple years now <laughs> but uh i'll uh, i'll kick it back to you brett uh what jumps out you next boy uh i gotta Anything? be honest <laughs> not a ton more for this week okay that that's fair enough uh i will point out that uh my friend actually, when he was walking the aisles at Best Buy, sent me a cell phone photo of uh, Danny Trejo in American Sicario from 2021, which you better fucking believe is a Lionsgate film. I don't even have to check. Um, but yeah, he he just sent me a picture of this with with the caption "What spelt W W U T?" Just what? It's kind of what I thought when I saw it as well. Yeah, I, I don't need that in my life, but hey, it makes me happy to know that Danny Trejo is out there working and uh, providing the public with tacos, because apparently he's got a, a branch of restaurants, as far as I know, uh, bearing his visage on the branding. But um, we have something called Force to Fear from Scream Team Releasing from 2020. That looks like absolute dog shit, I'm not going to lie. But, you know, it has a it has a, a title that's difficult to say. So, you know, that, that was a choice. Um, we have a film called Hawaii, or Hawaii, uh, if you will, from 1966. Um, I'll only point that out because got I got a lot of family out there. Uh, I didn't know they had their own movie, you know, <laughs> bearing, the, bearing the name of their state. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, I think that's about it for that week. So let's bounce on down to December 21st. Now, right out the gate, hey, look at that. Uh, We have a movie that I actually reviewed with Brad on his podcast, the Cinema Speak podcast. And that would, of course, be uh, the James Bond film uh, directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga, No Time to Die on 4K. And apparently the 4K presentation of this is motherfucking money. Nice. Uh, it, they said this is like a this is like if you want to like benchmark your system kind of shit. This is a demo uh, disc. Whoo, yeah. And uh, if you ask me, the movie is is deserving of that treatment because uh, in the theater anyway, this was delightful to look at. Mm-hmm. Like there's some there are some motherfucking shots in this movie. Um, and uh, between the two of us, I mean, it's been a minute since we talked about it, Brad, but would you say we both largely enjoyed this one? Oh yeah, I think uh, I think we both quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed this one. And in fact, I finally got the girlfriend uh, to, to watch Casino Royale the other day, mm. um, which, of course, I, I do actually believe is one of the very best James Bond movies and most certainly the best Daniel Craig James Bond movie. But for me personally, I, I think I actually do put No Time to Die like uh, at number two. Like like a lot of people would probably put Skyfall behind uh, Casino Royale, but for me personally, I actually put No Time to Die right behind it. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I need to revisit No Time to Die to see exactly where it kind of shakes down at, but uh, yeah, I'll be picking this up at some point for sure. Um, oh yeah, the, this was a, this was one that I, I did not buy on release day because of the holiday season. I was like, yeah, I'd, there's a chance like a family member might gift it to me, so I'd, I don't want to have to go through the hassle of having to return a disc. But yeah, I'm really excited to to add this one to the collection ASAP. Mm-hmm. I actually do like the uh, artwork on the Steelbook better than the artwork. I mean, not that that's saying much, but uh, the artwork on the main uh, disc is pretty uninspired. Yeah, it. I mean, you and I had actually talked about this um, on Tales from the Shelf mm-hmm. uh, just the like last or no this month. Uh, we were ahead of schedule for a change, or at least I was ahead of schedule putting out the video uh, version of that show. Uh, we actually talked about uh, amazing artwork. Uh, so we we were showcasing uh, films in our collections that boast uh, impressive cover art, and uh, Brad actually had a, a segment of that where he was dedicating it to talking about the uh, individual releases of the James Bond films and the the minimalist presentation which emphasizes like almost 50% of the of the covers is just sheet white uh, with the I title and just like a random quote random screen cap from the film uh heavily photoshopped and airbrushed mind you like Roger Moore I don't think I don't think he came out of the womb looking that smooth because <laughs> that cover that cover for live and let die. I was like, Roger yeah. Moore's looking real smooth on that cover. Yeah. Like, even in that one, he had some significant wrinklage going on, but um, yeah, uh, this, this cover for the, uh, the standard 4k and Blu-ray release is not great. Uh, it's, it's minimalist to the point that it's, it's a little, I'm, I'm left wanting more, uh, partially because the film is so visually eye-popping mm-hmm. where it's like there's so many set pieces and images that would that would suit this better um but i mean if if all you need is if all you want from your cover is daniel craig looking like that like that gal on the the sunscreen ad getting her her pants pulled down by the dog or whatever <laughs> like if you want him doing his impression of that girl um yeah. this this will tide you over but yeah the steel book I, I think does have a more impressive cover i don't know if i i don't know if i like it all that much but it just it it does look better 
I have seen like uh, international versions of the disc that have like a grittier, clever that it's, I think it's just him and uh, uh, Leia Sedu uh, in close up with like dirt smeared all over their faces. It actually looks pretty decent. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited to, to pick up this disc. Like it pretty much ASAP because uh, having just watched Casino Royale again, like the other day, I, I'm like primed for it. Uh, so yeah, this is this is one I think we're both excited to add to the collection. Um, we have a 4K release, did not see that coming, of uh, The Many Saints of Newark. Now, Brad, you you reviewed the, this? Does this fit into had the to. theatrical yeah, thing? I, yeah, I had to. <laughs> yeah, this is part of the HBO Max uh, theatrical offering situation, so Brad, of course, did have to review this. Um, yeah, I didn't hear so much good about this. Uh I I did actually watch all of The Sopranos a while back. Um, I forget how long ago, maybe like five years ago, but um, was not in a hurry to check out this movie. Um, yeah, what did you think of it, Brad? It's a bit of a wet noodle. Um, and I've seen, I think I've seen the first two seasons of The Sopranos, so I'm not like a Sopranos expert. So I really didn't get much out of this. Um, it's not, I mean, it's not horrendous by any means. It really does just feel like a TV movie. It's not great. Um, I couldn't imagine seeing this in theaters. This was like, a, this is a perfect HBO Max release. Yeah, that, that was the general vibe I got. It was like, I was scratching my head at like the theatrical aspect of it. It was like nothing about the presentation of this makes me think like big budget, like big, big movie production. like, uh, I, he is a good actor, but I hate to say it. Alessandro Nivola showing up in a in a prominent role in your in your quote theatrical movie does not it, it's not a good sign. Honestly, it's like that's not a guy who puts asses in seats. He is a he is a quality actor, if you ask me, but not the first person I would have expected to see in a fucking Sopranos film. But mm-hmm. hey, you know it is what it is. Uh, but, to be um, fair, I I just checked my letterbox. I did give it a three. I did give it a three out of five. So I mean, it was at least watchable. I think. I thought that ain't it, bad. Looking back, I in my mind, I was like, this must have been a two, maybe a two point five. But I did go three. I gave it a three. Hey, yeah, I mean, that, that's probably fair. Honestly. Bada bing, bada boom. What am I gonna do? Right? <laughs> what are you gonna do? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have a. Uh, a collector's edition, Shout Factory collector's edition of The Vampire Lovers from 1970, which features uh, Ingrid Pitt, George Cole, and my man, my man, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, Peter Cushing. Uh, that would be Grand Moff Tarkin himself, who is, of course, uh, one of the major players of uh, Hammer uh, Horror. Um, we have The Day the World Ended from 1955. Uh, we have, um, so folks at home, uh, you may have noticed we haven't been talking about anime very much here on uh, Catching Up on Blu-ray. Uh, and there's a very good reason for that, and that's because the market is fucking flooded. Uh, there are so many goddamn anime titles put out from month to month uh, that I cannot keep up with this shit. I do not know what is a big deal and what is not. Uh, therefore, I, I apologize profusely uh, if we skip over your very favorite anime title uh, that gets put out uh, from month to month, but that's just how it is. However, I will single one out right now. Uh, in the form of a uh, Demon Slayer, the movie Mugen Train, uh, because this movie uh, absolutely destroyed the fucking box office internationally. Uh, this movie did have a domestic release in the U.S. and was released internationally, and apparently it it made gobs of cash. 
Um, I I know absolutely nothing about this series. Um, I have heard it's highly critically acclaimed at this point. It's kind of the new hotness, as it were. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to point out that uh, this movie is apparently the fucking bee's knees. Like, it it kicked ass at the box office, um, despite being a foreign animated film that... It's a sign of the times, honestly. If you ask me, like, like that—that's you would not expect that mm-hmm. uh, from from a Japanese animated film, uh, especially in you know the pandemic, <laughs> like like when box offices are in general very down these days. But yeah, um, the success of this film did make its rounds on the internet, so it is known to me as much as I claim to not be in the know about these things. But um, beside that, uh, we have uh, something I just watched literally yesterday. Um, on Blu-ray because I don't have Netflix, so I have to actually spend hard-earned cash to watch shit like this. Um, <laughs> Resident Evil: Colon Infinite Darkness from 2021. This is a Netflix series. It's only four episodes, but it was released in like 30-minute chunks on Netflix. Um, it's okay. Uh, there have been multiple uh, Resident Evil CGI uh, films put out over the years. Uh, I have seen all of them. Uh, so I continued that trend, uh, including this one. And uh, yeah, it's fine. Uh, in terms of overall quality of story, uh, it might be the best. Uh, however, the, it does fall apart pretty fucking badly in its final episode. Um, the animation is interesting. Um, I, I'm always drawn uh, to CGI animated films, uh, largely Japanese ones, because um, they continually strive to present photorealism, which is something that uh, American and other animation studios tend to shy away from. Um, but it's something that I'm, I'm hungry for. It's something that I, I like to see because I, I, I'm always curious to see the, the subtle innovations that come with the technical achievements that like develop from year to year. However, it seems to be like almost purely a uniquely Japanese thing at this point. Um, so it's always interesting to see them strive to present something that we're, we, like, even with, like, hundreds of millions of dollars at, at our command in the form of, like, Hollywood production companies are still unable to achieve. Like, you better believe a, a Japanese company that doesn't have that sort of budget behind it, they can't possibly achieve it either. Uh, but they keep trying. Um, and also the, the presentation... Uh, they they tend to lean very heavy into performance capture for their animation, um, so it's it's always interesting to see. Like I don't know what it is about Japanese per, uh, performance capture studios, but they absolutely love doing military drills uh, for animated films. Like they just they just love giving people airsoft guns and having them run around in gray pajamas, like in a in a soundstage. It's it's just what they do, man. <laughs> um, so there's a whole lot of that in this film, but yeah, it's it's not amazing. It is what it is, but. Uh, one other uh, anime title that I will point out before we move away from this finally is uh, Project Akko uh, from 1986. Um, this is a discotheque media uh, disc. Uh, they generally do very good work. Um, and this is actually one of those uh, blockbuster video titles from back in the day. Like like when I was a little kid and we had exactly one shelf of Japanese animated films that you could rent back in the day. This uh, Project Akko was actually one of those films. Uh, so this is one that like is actually known to me. And it's it's fun. It's a it's a parody of of its contemporaries for the most part. Uh, it's it it has a lot of in jokes that probably wouldn't be known to most folks unless they were in it, I guess. 
but uh speaking of uh the alternate covers for uh no time to die brad uh we have one down here that has him on a motorcycle and then ah there's the international one i was talking about uh that has him in a lea sedu uh in close-up oh i see okay yeah that one i i can get down with that one yeah i i don't think i favor any of them like i'm still wanting a different one like honestly how would you feel about this brad um you know how he actually executes the uh the the uh shooting from the hip the james bond iconic moment from the title sequence Mm -hmm. of every james bond movie ever like they actually integrate that into the choreography of the finale of the movie how would you feel about just that like him doing the pose, like in the same outfit even. I like it a hell of a lot more than what they've given us so far, I can tell you that much. <laughs> um, and I will point out that we have a, a uh, Joe Don Baker film. I, I always, Joe Don Baker always frustrates me because his name his name doesn't come to mind when I see his face. Uh, his character's name from, from uh, I think it's Walking Tall, comes to mind. And it's a Buford Pusser. Which is a fucking name, man. <laughs> like, there's a reason I think of Buford Pusser before I think of Joe Don Baker. Uh, but we have an MD- MVD Rewind Collection disc of Final Justice, uh, headlined by one Joe Don Baker, who was, of course, actually in more than one James Bond film, Brad. Uh, he not only got to play a good guy, he also got to play a bad guy prior to that. That's a... That's a unique honor among actors to be in two different James Bond movies as two different characters. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'll kick it over to you, Brad. What what uh, jumps out at you next? Well, uh, I'll mention uh, a movie called Time of the Wolf, which I have not seen, but I'm intrigued by because it's directed by uh, the one and only Michael Haneke. Haneke? Uh, however you say his name. Um, And uh, I did do a bit of a michael haneke marathon a couple of years ago because i guess i just really wanted to like hate myself <laughs> um he does not make feel good movies but uh this was one that i kind of uh i had to skip over because at the time um it was like you couldn't find it like i mean i i probably could have found it if i really wanted to um but it was not available on blu-ray and maybe it was on dvd but i think even that was like out of print and hard to find so couldn't rent it anywhere this was one i had to skip over um and uh i would be curious to go back and check it out i think it's a little bit of a potentially i've heard it takes place in a post-apocalyptic setting it's something like they escape to a uh, vacation home and there are uh, intruders already at the home i don't know but it also stars uh isabel Huppert, who uh is a one of his muses i guess she's been in several of his films and uh, i do like uh pretty much all of his films that i've seen and um i was kind of thinking about funny games lately so i might have to dip back into the hanaki pool and uh, maybe check this one out yeah i was about to say i haven't seen his films personally however i do remember i i think it was you and one of your buddies did mention funny games just just like an episode or two ago so it's clearly it's on your mind so maybe maybe check this one out or something yeah mm-hmm. as of right now i would say uh cache is probably my favorite of his films that i've seen um still have not seen i haven't seen a more which he got nominated for a bunch of oscars for i haven't seen that one so um but yeah i, I do like the guy's uh output 
Yeah, no, I, I, I am not familiar with his filmography, but uh, yeah, maybe do a little digging, see if yeah. see if he see if he's one of your guys, like in the extreme. <laughs> <laughs> um, beside that, though, we have a release of Blue Bayou, uh, which has been getting some pretty solid critical acclaim uh, in the past year. Um, we have what is very obviously a Lionsgate release of Fortress uh, with some guy and Bruce Willis because Bruce Willis has to make he. Bruce Willis is essentially the new Nicolas Cage, honestly, like in terms of his output, like, like only difference is Nicolas Cage, like consistently tries um, Bruce Willis. As far as I know, he, he just kind of gave up a while back and just has not looked back. Um, but yeah. Um, funny enough, there's a Christopher Lambert movie called Fortress that I've considered reviewing for catching up on cinema numerous times i I know nothing of this 2021 fortress i don't know if it's supposed to be a remake or something but i do actually like that uh that christopher lambert movie it's it's kind of fun but um popping on down we have a hell hath no fury from 2021 um now this is a a title that's uh this is a trevor film uh, very much so (laughs) so uh, on the cover there brad on the right uh the fella that is daniel bernhardt uh, okay. I've 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 droned on and on about incessantly on catching up on cinema. Uh, he I, he became known to me initially via um, the Bloodsport sequels. So he was the headline. He replaced Jean Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport two through four, um, and he also um, was one of the agents in The Matrix Reloaded. Uh, he he got to go toe to toe with Keanu Reeves and uh, Lawrence Fishburne in that film. Um, and in recent years, he's like been fully integrated into 8711 uh, Action Studios. Uh, so he's basically best buddies with Chad Stelsky, uh, who is, of course, the, the John Wick director and basically like shepherd of that franchise. Um, apparently, I did read uh, Chad Stelsky is in The Matrix Revolutions mm. um, and did serve as like an advisor or a consultant on the action. But as far as I understand, 8711 actually didn't do the action design for that film so i'm not that's troubling uh if you ask me honestly because yeah. they they are kind of the foremost when it comes to that kind of stuff but anyway this uh hell hath no fury movie honestly it's it's not like really my thing i mean it's a world war ii movie obviously it's got a female protagonist in the form of nina bergman who is not known to me However, the Daniel Bernhardt factor combined with the Jesse V. Johnson factor, uh, who is, of course, the director, who, of course, has worked with Scott Adkins numerous times over the past decade or so. Um, Speaking of muses, uh, Scott Adkins in recent years has basically been Jesse V. Johnson's muse. Um, Combination of the director and and Daniel Bernhardt, and uh, also looking a little bit deeper into this cast, uh, we also have uh, Louis Mandalore. Uh, who I'm always happy to see, and uh, Dominique Vandenberg, uh, who is a I think he's like Flemish or something. Um, I actually read his fucking book back in high school. Really, <laughs> um, You're a fan. it's called the it's called the Iron Circle. Um, his claim to fame in cinema, Brad, is a uh, before the uh, the final battle that never happens in Gangs of New York. Uh, you know what I'm referencing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he is standing next to Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> That's probably his biggest role in cinema. I mean, hey, that's more than I can say. <laughs> yeah, but he and uh, Jesse V. Johnson have a long history together. They did a movie called Pit Fighter that I harassed 
a lot of Best Buy employees about pulling from the back room <laughs> because like they swore up and down that they had this movie and I <laughs> like I kept coming back like I was the I was probably the only person who in the history of film has ever asked for somebody to, to f- go find Pit Fighter but I kept showing up and I kept asking about it and eventually they got it to me um he they did that film together which also had Scott Atkins in a small role and then uh, they reunited recently, and they've kind of had a steady output since. So this this Hell Hath No Fury movie, I don't know if I'm going to like it that much, but it has it has people in it that I've been following for a long time, such that it's yeah. like, you know, why not? Sounds like you've sold yourself on it. I kind of have. Like, just just in the past few minutes of rambling about it, and it has been rambling. I, I know this. Um, <laughs> but just in the past few minutes, I think I convinced myself that, you know, Trevor... Maybe just maybe just buy it. Just just like do those people a favor, give them some of your money. Um, and of course, beside beside that, we have a pool party massacre, twenty seventeen, classic household name, chick boxer from nineteen ninety two, and then uh, we have a bunch of really bad covers uh, for four different films from Tempe Digital, uh, not a distributor that's known to me, but we have Kingdom of the Vampire, Zombie Cop. Humanoids from Atlantis, and Galaxy of the Dinosaurs, all from 1991 to 1992. Uh, sure, yeah, I'm not going to be bothering with any of those, but it's cool we have them. Uh, so let's bop on down to the final release day of the month. That would be uh, December 28th. And our first big release uh, comes in the form of a gigantic Arrow box set uh, titled Shaw Scope Volume 1. And this is a collection of uh, Shaw Brothers uh, Chinese martial arts films. Um, I'm going to be 100% honest, Brad. Uh, I I love martial arts on film. Uh, obviously, it's it's something I'm very passionate about. Um, but I'm not the biggest fan of this this era and this style of martial arts on film. Hmm. Um, I've I've been spoiled by by advances made in choreography in choreography editing and cinematography in recent years yeah uh as as much as it would be really cool to say i'm a huge fan of like the classic shit like the like like shaw brothers kind of stuff i'm honestly not uh it it's really not what i go for um it's really cool uh that they're putting this out because there are tons of people who are super passionate about this kind of stuff but for me personally I, I I would be doing myself a disservice if I brought this into my home, honestly. I, I would not watch these. Hey, you can't force it. You can't force it as much as you might want to. And uh, honestly, it's a big box. So, I mean, you got to save space somewhere. Cut cut this shit out. If you're not going to watch <laughs> it, don't do it. Yeah, no, that, that's where I'm at with this. Is uh, It's cool that it's, it exists, but it's just not for me. Um, well, I'm but glad you said like- that so I don't feel like I have to force it. Thank God, because I thought I was going to have to force this somehow. <laughs> I mean, it is a big box. It is an impressive package, but mm, no, no, not for me. Um, and beside that, though, uh, we have something a little different. Uh, this would be a film that uh, Brad had reviewed for the Cinema Speak podcast. That would be Wes Anderson's latest, The French Dispatch. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of forcing it, I, I had to force <laughs> this thing into my top ten list. I had to push this thing hard. Really? You had to force it into the top well, ten? Well, I mean... We'll see how I feel five years from now. As as of right now, I say I love it, but I, it seems like everybody else is like, eh, it's not that great. It's, you know, lesser Wes Anderson. 
it's less Anderson, but uh, you know, <laughs> I uh, I had a good time with it. It's uh, th- basically it's an, a bit of an anthology film, um, and I wasn't as crazy about the middle story, but I did really like the uh, the bookends. I think it starts and ends quite strong. And uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. I again, I wouldn't say it's like my favorite Wes Anderson, um, but I mean, it's still solid. If if you're into his kind of thing, okay, I'll have to ask Kyle if he's gotten around to it yet, because uh, I I do know he's a fan of his work. Um, I I personally can't say I'm a fan, um, but what very little I've seen, I've largely been very impressed by. Um, but when you say it's a lesser Wes Anderson film, it doesn't make me terribly excited to rush out and blind buy a Blu-ray of this. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say I 100% liked it more than Isle of Dogs. 100%. Okay. That I can yeah. say with absolute certainty. <laughs> okay. Maybe I watched Do- once five years ago or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> my opinion of it, however, is fresh. <laughs> fresh in my mind. Um Beside that, we have uh, MVD Rewind collection releases of both Jack Frost and Jack Frost 2, Revenge of the Mutant Killer Snowman. Um, I know these films by reputation. However, I have not seen them. I, of course, remember the uh, holographic cover art uh, on the VHS of the original Jack Frost. Classic. Um, It was that and um, Uncle Sam was the other one I remember. I also had a holographic cover. Um, where he'd go from, like, an I Want You poster to, like, a zombie Uncle Sam. And then there was one other that I can't remember that I think had, like, Wes Craven's name on it or something. Uh, It wasn't Wishmaster, but it was something similar to that. Um, But, yeah, holographic covers were were very much a thing in, in like, the late years of of VHS box art, especially among horror films and whatnot. But, yeah, like I said, I know these films by reputation. Not especially in a hurry to check them out. But how about you, Brad? Um, I've seen the first one. Uh, you know, not like amazing by any means. Uh, but it's you know, I guess it's a fun little cheap horror film. Uh, I have not seen the second, and I'm trying to look up exactly what it is. Um, but there is an issue with the second one. Uh, I think the second one. Is the they ax- they somehow released the censored version of the film? Is what I'm seeing in the uh, forum right here, according to Duke to Go eighty four. Oh, uh, I, I, that's a that's a reference, and I actually know that one. Oh, Fuck. there you go, there you go. Uh, that, that's that's a reference. That's a reference to Golgo thirteen, uh, which is a manga and anime from like the nineteen sixties. Uh, yeah, Duke Togo is the oh. name of the main character. I actually have a poster of it. You can't see it, but it's like right there. It's behind <laughs> the curtain. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so I, trying to get more info here. The According to the MVD Rewind Collections Facebook page, they said they're looking into what's... what's this is not a very... This is not a very professionally run company, apparently. Uh, They say, I'm looking into what's what with the Jack Frost 2 Master that was supplied to us. So uh, (laughs) Official press release. They say, uh, it might be a week or two until I have an update. I'll keep you posted. Hmm. Well, that's a hell of a thing to to put out a censored version of a trashy horror film. Like, that, that, that... 
probably does irritate the people who would gravitate towards a release like this. Oh, here's here's a better uh, comment. They, somebody, Jeff Brown on Facebook, we all know Jeff Brown. He said, what's the issue with Jack Frost 2? MVD Rent Collection replies, I've learned from I've learned this evening from posts online that our master that we received apparently is a slightly different cut of the film. Running time is the same, but some nudity and gore is either edited or different. Disc itself plays fine. I'll update after the holidays. Have a safe and happy holiday. Oof, yikes. What Man. a fail. This is I mean, it's kinda interesting. This isn't folks at home, this is not why we do this show like this is this is not why i started it anyway but like brad your your investigation skills like man every episode every month we you you uncover some botch like on the part of these distributors yeah this one i did i I don't know if it was dawn of the discs or something i I did hear a rumbling that there was an issue with this that's why i was quick looking into the specifics here um man i gotta like this mvd rewind on facebook i didn't know it was just like one guy running there just some guy in a basement (laughs) that's awesome like everybody's just like saying like hey eric like they're responding to it by name (laughs) that's that's fucking awesome all right i'm giving them a like hey eric you fucked up my desk yeah they've earned a like on that i like it i'm in yeah go for it man support they're i mean they're they're not a big operation mm-hmm. and and actually i do own a handful of their discs um actually um the uh the black friday sales theirs was the only one that i that i participated oh wow like, well there you go like the all of the black friday festivities across all of the internets that was the one sale that i actually opened my wallet for I, mean, I did see they had a sale but i was like with all this other great stuff who the hell's gonna choose to spend their money there uh, now <laughs> this <I know>. guy, <laughs> this fucking guy. Yeah, I got a a, a Zoe Bell headlined film oh. called uh, Camino uh, that had long been on my watch list. Uh, I only own one. I only know of and own one other film that she's headlined uh, called Raze, uh, spelt uh, R A Z E. Uh, it's like a, a lady prison fight movie, which sounds like absolute garbage on paper. But it's actually fairly well executed. It's it's decent, and and the choreography is stellar. Um, Camino, I've, I've heard, is interesting as well. I also got a film called Blast um, because it was like five dollars through MVD, and it's it's headlined by Lyndon Ashby, um, who you would know as Johnny Cage from the first Mortal Kombat film. Okay, uh, and he he battles uh, Andrew Devoff. AKA the Wishmaster. <laughs> so I was like, I have to have this. Yeah, for five bucks, why not? Yeah, and then I also picked up their uh their uh, double impact, their Jean Claude Van Damme uh disc of double impact. Um so th- yeah, those were my Black Friday buys uh, from M V D. But uh, moving right along, we have a four K release of uh the Japanese animated uh, anthology film, uh Robot Carnival. I only have the Blu-ray um, this is fantastic. Um, from an like, a, if you're an animation enthusiast, uh, there's some pretty incredible stuff on display in this. Uh, some true, truly creative, truly astounding visuals in this. Um, I'm really curious what the 4K presentation on this is like. But this is a uh, largely a product of uh, Katsuhiro Otomo, who is of course the 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 fellow behind Akira. Um, he did not direct all the segments, but he. For whatever reason, uh, the bulk of his career in animation post-Akira uh, has come in the form of anthology projects. 
I've always found that really fascinating. That's like he's kind of like using his incredible position in the industry to kind of like pull other people up by spotlighting their talent via these short films. Um, most recently, I, I I picked up his uh, short piece anthology uh, from a few years back. Again, very technically astounding animation stuff. So if you're into the sort of thing, if you're into like Japanese animation and sci-fi uh, from from this time period, from 1987, uh, Robot Carnival's worth your time and your money. But um, Brad, you want to help me out here and you want to try to tackle all the Vinegar Syndrome titles in one go? Because they're hard to spot for me anyway. You're you're kind of the, the resident expert on these matters. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know a ton about these releases. They're all their partner labels because um, it is Partners Month. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome, after they have their sales, their big sales, they basically shut down the site except for partner releases. Um, so they've been highlighting those all month. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't looked too much into them. We've got Rebels of the Neon God. Arabato Detention, um, Her Smell, which is uh, notable because I know you guys uh, talked about that film, and uh, I like the film quite a bit. Uh, but I I know that this has been released previously on Blu-ray through Gunpowder and Sky, but I think it was just released before they were a partner label of Vinegar Syndrome. So mm. I, don't, I don't actually know if it's the same disc, but at least now you get a sweet slipcover for it, so that's good, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Savage Harvest, uh, Bean Natural, uh, Blood Arama Triple Frightmare, which this one I can actually comment on because I actually do already own one of these films. Um, Carnival of Blood is a film that was released through Arrow in their um, American Horror Project triple feature set. And I did watch that film actually and i i was actually quite good it's a very uh uh i don't even i don't even i don't remember i gave it a 3.5 that's all i remember i was gonna try (laughs) to talk bullshit my way through it i don't remember but it was i do remember liking it and also uh there's a movie called assholes from 2017 i love that cover and and i love that title (laughs) yeah among those brad um if you were to pick one that you'd, you'd be most interested in, what would you say it would be? I got to say, uh, I don't know much about it, but uh, Detention, at least the cover, just that image. I mean, it's not a great cover, but it's. Uh, I guess maybe it's not a horror film. <laughs> I don't uh, know. It looked like I'll... I was going to get a ghost story out of it, but now I'm reading here it's something about banning books. Yeah. Uh, it looks pretty heavy, honestly. So I, I, I'll change my answer, and I'll, I'll just go with uh, her smell. Yeah, go with the safe pick. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure the presentation is stellar, and it probably has a lot of extras. And like you said, that sweet, sweet slipcover. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the triple feature from Agfa um, does have me intrigued. It's just I already own one of those films, so. Yeah, we got to get you an Agfa, like, T-shirt or something, man. I mean, I, I think I only own, like, two of their releases, but... I know, but I I think it's admirable. I, I like I like that you, like, that you your your ears perk up when you see these Agfa mm-hmm. releases. Because, in general, these are things that most people are highly dismissive of. Yeah. But not Brad. Brad's like, oh, that looks interesting. Or, no, oh, yeah. I'll, like, I'll that's kind of neat that, so, that these people made that thing. Yeah. Like, and I, I, I would 100% wear an Agfa t shirt. 100%. Fuck yeah. 
fuck yes. <laughs> Get this man a t-shirt. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if I was to pick one, I'd probably go with Her Smell or Assholes. Again, that title, that cover. That's all. I don't even need to read the plot summary. You got me. Take my money. Um, but yeah, we're, we're fans of Vinegar Syndrome here. Brad, a little more so than me, being as he has more of their releases than me. I, I think I only have two. Uh, I have uh, Gedevin, a.k.a. Uh, Champagne and Bullets, which I, I just had to have, um, and uh, Beastmaster mm. on mm-hmm. 4K, uh, which I uh, actually have a poster of it. You can't see it. It's hanging on the opposite wall. Uh, but I have a, a Noriyoshi Orai uh, painted poster, uh, the Japanese poster for it. It's mm, it's money. Nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we have more anime that I can actually talk about. Um, Samurai Troopers, the complete television series um, from 1988 uh, to 1991. Oh, wow. This includes uh, movies. I didn't know there were movies. Um, this this was a, a series that we, we got some action figures out here in the West. Um, and from time to time, uh, via numerous channels, uh, we did actually have this, this show dubbed in English on American television uh, from time to time. Uh, I think the last time it was aired on U.S. television was probably Cartoon Network via their Toonami block or something. But I do remember it being screened prior to that. But... Um, I always thought that I always thought the design work in this was awesome. It's like Saint Seiya, but with uh, samurai armor and stuff. It's it's pre- it's simple, but it it has that like warm, cozy, like like eating Doritos on the couch kind of vibe to it. It's, it's like none of this is going to be surprising, but it's going to be familiar and approachable. Um, so this is something that I actually would come back to just to see like does it suck. Because, like, last time I watched this, I was a very little kid. But um, we also have a, a, a Blu-ray release of uh, Zeram, uh, 30th Anniversary Edition. Holy shit. Uh, from Media Blasters. And this is a, a Keita Amimiya film. Uh, I've mentioned him before on the show. I love this guy, um, this director and artist. Um, he does a lot, kind of like kind of like a Guillermo del Toro, I guess. He, he does a lot of the character and like art design for his for his products um of course it goes through filters by the time it ends up on like the the screen but um keita amemiya is he's like a personal favorite of mine this guy has given us so many gifts um kind of beginning with this film zeram um he also did uh Hakaider, which i i spotlighted on uh, amazing artwork uh, on tales from the shelf uh this month um and he also started uh a, f- a franchise that I didn't know was going to blow up as big as it did. It's called Garo, and uh, it's basically like a, I don't know, like a fantasy horror television show, um, like Monster of the Week style uh, television um, that I watched. I followed it extensively when I was in college, and I walked away from it a long time ago, but holy fucking shit, it's like still going, and it, it just blew the fuck up. But I love this guy's work. Um, I have owned this movie like two or three different times and I'm probably about to own it like a fourth time now because it's out on Blu-ray. <laughs> Very excited. I, did, I didn't know this was coming out. Um, we have The Woman Who Ran uh, from Cinema Guild. Brad, uh, do you know Cinema Guild? Mm, not by name. Uh, it's not ringing any bells. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at their prior releases, and none of them are familiar just yet. Like, I'm, I'm a couple pages deep, and I'm shocked. Uh, very, uh, very solid cover art for all of their releases. Yeah, a few, a few of these titles I'm looking are, are familiar uh, just by the uh, reputation of the films. I know, I know Los Angeles plays itself at uh, Leviathan, not the... Uh, you know, '90s Leviathan or whenever it came out. Oh, uh, <laughs> different Leviathan, a documentary, I believe. Yeah, George P. Cosmatos's Leviathan. Yeah, <laughs> starring Peter Weller and Ernie Hudson. <laughs> I love that movie. It sucks, but I love it. <laughs> um, I I begged my dad to rent that movie for me back in the day, just because Stan Winston's name was on the box. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, this uh, the woman who ran from twenty twenty uh, appears to be a, a Korean film, uh, not one that's known to me, however. Uh, but yeah, uh, man, handsome releases from them, uh, Cinema Guild. They seem to put out handsome product. Yeah. Um, we have a uh, Cutie Honey, the live uh, from Discotech Media. Uh, this was a television series that ran uh, in Japan from two thousand seven to two thousand eight. I will say. I'm embarrassed to admit I have seen this. <laughs> um, it's uh, headlined by uh, Mikie Hara, who's a wonderful actress. Um, and uh, Mark Musashi uh, has a prominent role in there as well. He was one of those, uh, he's, he's a Hapa guy. Um, I always thought he was going to become like a, a prominent stunt figure uh, in Hollywood or in Japan. But I don't know. He, he didn't go as far as I had hoped he would. He has a really good look. He's obviously got the fucking moves. But I was, I was hoping he'd do more than he did. He did get to work opposite Scott Atkins at least once, though, so that was something. And speaking of Scott Atkins, beside that, we have Castle Falls from 2021, which is a it's headlined by Dolph Lundgren and Scott Atkins. But more than that, Brad, this is directed by Dolph Lundgren. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I'm sure that's a selling point for you. It's <laughs> got me a little more interested, I'll admit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he's directed like. A handful of movies okay um, and he has worked with scott atkins numerous times uh largely playing opposite him uh, usually as like an antagonist um brad have you seen um i think it's a universal soldier day of reckoning no but i i know of the film uh if you're gonna watch a universal soldier movie watch that one it's pretty fucking impressive if if you're down for for good action uh scott atkins van damme uh, Dolph Lundgren and uh, surprisingly uh, adept a screen fighting presence from a current UFC fighter Andre Arlovsky. I keep forgetting he's still active. Uh, <laughs> like I thought he was going to retire in like 2005 or some shit, but no, he's still in there. But um, the uh, the sporting goods fight. If nothing else, look that up, Brad. You will not be disappointed um, because this the the style of choreography in that film is very much um, cold from uh, like pulled from the splatter foo school of the raid films. Um, so virtually every fight scene is punctuated by some form of gore or violence. That's truly awesome. Um, but yeah, this uh, Castle Falls movie I haven't heard good things about, but. I mean, if you look at the cover, it's it's just me on a cover. It's just like it's like Trevor. Like, how have you not already bought that? Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, that that's going on the shelf asap. Like, as soon as I as soon as I get my hands on it. But um, anything else, Brad? Anything else you want to point out? Uh, I did miss one Vinegar Syndrome partner release. Their knocking is another one. Um, 
But other than that, I think that about covers it. All right. Well, damn, that was a jam-packed fucking month. Yeah. Um, so that being said, uh, as is customary, we will close out the episode by doing a, a summation of uh, any of our purchases or rentals uh, for the month of December 2021. So while uh, Brad collects his thoughts, I'll just uh, skim backwards through the list and just rattle off any that I'll either be purchasing or going out of my way to watch uh, in some fashion. Uh, so as I said, Castle Falls, directed by Dolph Lundgren, starring Dolph Lundgren, and my boy Scott Adkins. Yeah, that's, that's I, I'm shocked I don't own it already. Um, uh, Keita Amemiya, uh, Zeram from 1991 on Blu-ray. Uh, yeah, I, I already have it on like super duper special edition DVD, but I, I'll double dip, I'll triple dip, I'll quadruple dip on this one. I love this film and I love this director. Uh, so that's two right away. Damn. Uh, <laughs> uh, Trevor's going to be uh, struggling to pay the rent this month, apparently. <laughs> um, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, I unfortunately already own. Already watched it. It's not great. Um, no Time to Die, I will be buying the 4K uh, pretty much ASAP. Uh, very, very excited to check that one out again because I did enjoy it in the theater quite a bit. Um uh venom let there be carnage already got it on blu-ray uh secondhand blu-ray mind you i was not going to be paying full price for that shit i took a chance on that and it actually worked out i was very pleasantly surprised such a good that. feeling when that happens i know man it's the best but um ridley scott's the last duel uh, i don't think i'm gonna be buying that but i actually am very anxious to check that one out like i'll, I'll probably end up renting that or something Wolf of Wall Street, I'm glad we have it on 4K, but I'm in no hurry to buy it. But it's it's cool that we have it. Oh, uh, something that I, I will point out I did acquire. I did open all of my wallet for this one. Uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, uh, the um, collector's edition box set. I did actually buy this, um, and it is quite the handsome package. This is a Shout Factory uh, package. It is... Uh, it carries a hefty price tag, but um, mm, it's a handsome fucking package. It's a good display piece, and I am a big fan of the franchise, so I got that. Uh, one shot, um, I, I actually received this as a gift, uh, so I already got that one as well. Nice. Um, um, one Night in Miami, I very much would like to watch. I'm not going to be buying it on the Criterion disc, but I, I would very much like to watch it. Dear Evan Hansen, I'm not buying, but I am obligated to watch it soon. Uh, so if that means paying for it, sure. But I'm not. I am not putting that on my shelf, even for ironic purposes. Uh, Cop Shop and Werewolves Within. I I would like to see both of those. I don't think I'm going to be buying either of them. And uh, Krampus, depending on the extent of the the alterations made by the R-rated cut, maybe I'll pick that up. But until I actually know what it is, until I actually know what that package entails, with that price tag, I'm not taking a chance on that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, how about you, Brad? Yeah, a lot of stuff I want to watch this month. Uh, not like a ton of guaranteed pickups uh, for me. Like I'll definitely at some point be getting Krampus and probably Hard Target. Um, but Krampus because Christmas is already over and Hard Target because of the disc issue. I'm not in a rush. Um, I do I do want to see Cop Shop, so I will be watching that. Won't be buying it, but I do want to check it out. 
Um, Last Duel I already have as a gift, so that's already a pickup for me. Um, Red Shoes could be a potential pickup in the next Criterion sale. I think I'm really going to go all in on these Criterion 4Ks. I might I might buy every single one. Well, we'll see how many come out. Um, the Card Counter, another one I'll be watching, won't be buying. Um, no Time to Die, we'll be picking that up for sure. That's, that's a guaranteed buy. And uh, I think that's it. I mean, I do like the French Dispatch, but I think uh, the fact that they release basically every uh, Wes Anderson movie on Criterion... Uh, has kind of burned me out on buying any standard editions, so uh, I probably won't be picking that one up. Yeah, you you don't want to fall prey to that double dip, especially for a less Anderson, as you put it. Yeah. Um, oh, I forgot to point out, um, Hell Hath No Fury. Uh, I I will be watching that. I don't know if I, I don't know if I need to own that, but uh, just just the people involved. It's like hey, you know. It, Jesse V. Johnson's liked a lot of my shit on Instagram, so I'll I'll give him some money. You gotta do it, yeah. Yeah, man. It's like, that's part of the fun of, I don't know, becoming enamored with these, like, like smaller directors. It's like, it becomes that much easier to, like, have a more intimate connection to their work. Um, And, you know, it's it's always fascinating to me to see uh, directors work with lower budgets, especially, like, things like action movies where the ambition is always very very high um even without the budget to back it so it's like in general the people involved in these productions uh have a lot of enthusiasm for them even if the studios don't so it it makes it all the more fun to to follow their antics like both in front of and behind the screen and whatnot but yeah damn jam-packed month for sure uh, so yeah, that's about it for the month of December 2021 on our uh, Catching Up on Blu-ray uh, episode here. But uh, before we go, Brad, uh, as always, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's always a joy to have you along for the ride, uh, especially because of the, the fucking details you uncover, man. Like, <laughs> these, like no, there's like scandals and like shit going on behind the scenes I don't know about that you always uncover from month to month. This is what I live for. I try and... Uh talk about these controversies in real life and nobody seems to care or understand so this is the only time i can uh, vent my frustrations and i appreciate that well that's why we do the show bud because i care you care and that's about it (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah as always thank you so much brad i really appreciate your help on this project from month to month but uh, before we go you want to let the folks at home know where they can find you and your Super fucking awesome podcast. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's the Cinema Speak podcast. So we're on any podcast platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search for Cinema Speak. We're on Twitter at the Cinema Speak. On Instagram as Cinema Speak Podcast. On YouTube as Cinema Speak. And also you can find us at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. All right. Well said. And uh, folks at home, uh, if you're at all curious, uh, we do post our uh, Tales from the Shelf episodes on uh, Catching Up on Cinema's YouTube channel from month to month where you can find Brad uh, and his movie collection actually on on screen, not just in audio. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely check out the most re- recent episode. I was very happy with how the amazing artwork episode turned out. Um, and I'm very excited that I got to put that out on time for a change because normally I don't have the bandwidth to get to it in time. I was I was like two or three months behind by the time I got that one posted. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, 
If you'd like to catch up on any of our uh, Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at uh, catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. And that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.